Call the meeting to order. Roll call. Mayor Westgar. Yes. Frank. Yes. Holder. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Boltman. Yep. Beckman. Yep. Anybody here for the public forum? Yep. Yep. We're gonna, we, you can address during the agenda for the burning if you'd like to wait. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Because you'll be allowed to speak then too. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Consent agenda. Any additions or corrections? No. Motion to approve. So moved. Second. Second. Okay. Roll call. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. 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 Thank you. 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 Jim would like to present something before we talk about this. Yeah. Um, you mind if I said I've had some medical you issues? Do I whatever you like. Kind of get me down yes. sometimes here, so I don't want to fall over here. We don't want to do Well, the dump's been issues for years, and I know there's some people here against burning it. Um, I get that. Um, but we got to do something about things filling up. Um, I'm going to come up with a plan to <coughs> try and prevent this thing from catching on fire in the middle of the night. The last time we were down there, I think we dumped 30, 40,000 gallons of water on the thing. To try and put out something that's not possible to put out. If you go down there with the backhoe today and reach over the bank and pull some debris out, I guarantee you it's smoldering underneath there. I've been on this department for just short of 30 years, and two, three, four times a year we're down there trying to put the dump out. And the way it is right now, there's no access to the bottom side, the south side of that dump. There's a lane that used to exist, it's kind of still there on the east end of the dump, uh, that goes south, and it's washed out. There's no possible way to get a truck down there. Um, the area that you could possibly walk down is treacherous to go down, and I know Mike's been on the fire department, and Dale's on the department, and you've been on the fire department. Um, if you want to drag in 500 feet, an inch and a half hose full of water across the back side of that to try and get to the back side of the fire to put it out, it's a pretty tough job. Um, every time we go down there, we go down there at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning because somebody sees a dump running and uh, it's not usually going anywhere. Um, I got to get firemen over the bank and down there to attack the fire. You can't shoot water and make it come back. You know, it's a straight off deal. So sending guys over the bank in the middle of the night, um, somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, broken leg or falling down that bank and having a stick go through them. But uh, not on my uh, call, we're not going to have that happen. Um, so my proposal kind of is, I guess, is um, we need to figure out a way to control where the debris is getting dumped. Um, my idea is, you know, and we're going to have to uh, educate people, um, and it may cause the city guys a little bit more work, but um, we need to put the leaves and the grass in one designated area, okay, because that's what smolders. The, the sticks burning. The sticks burning. 
aren't smoldering. It's the leaves and the grass. So if we can get the leaves and the grass maybe to the west end or whatever the case may be, um, in the brush pile in an area that you can manageably burn up the sticks. Push it together. Forty bolt burns once a week minimum. Their brush pile. And a brush pile of just sticks is no different than the campfire down in the campground. People smell and smoke. It's burning sticks. If it's pushed together properly and lit on a day that hopefully the winds may be out of the north or at least a little bit, um, it'll burn up and there won't be much left. But the grass and leaves are what smolders and that's what everybody smells. And it doesn't smell very good. Hell no. But um, if we can figure out a way to get people to keep their leaves and their grass in one location, you're going to get some bozo that's going to just dump it inside the gate like we already have right now. And that's what the city needs to go down there, maybe weekly with the backhoe, and just push it back, and maybe people start getting the idea um, of how to uh, keep our dump. When I was a kid, Mike knows, he grew up here, we used to dump our garbage in there. I grew up here. Yes, yeah, you did. And there's oil there. Yeah, and we used to dump the garbage in there. Yeah. And it's, that was right in the gate. Now we're 100 yards back. And something and, was there the whole time. Right? Every day. But um, we're, right now we're up against the tree line to the south. We're up against the tree line to the west. We can't go north. Um, so this fall, say, for instance, as dry as it is and dry as it has been, we get a big fire down there over that bank and the wind's blowing out of the north. We're going to do one thing. We're going to go to the south end and keep Schultz's field from catching on fire. Because we don't have no way to get down there to put it out. I mean, less, like I told John one day in, in Scott one day, joking with him, I said, I'm going to probably need a helicopter in my budget to <laughs> save the dump from burning up. But it's a non-realistic thing. But if we can, if we can push the debris back, you know, the, the, the leaves and the grass again and, and manageably push a pile together, we might have to set a, a time, you know, we're going to burn up once a month or twice a month. It's not going to be every month. You know, you're not holding leaves and grass and stuff down there now. And the pile of logs down there now, I mean, I think that all came from the tile plant. You know, that stuff's not burning. I mean, you got to get that out of there somehow and over the bank. But if we can just push up the sticks, burn it every couple weeks or whatever. Maybe it doesn't need to be burning in a couple weeks before the pile gets too big to burn. Before it's non-manageable. If you if it if we get piled up good enough and light it in the morning, pretty much it's gonna be burned down by the end of the night. But you know, going down there at three o'clock in the morning, put this thing out that's never going out when you push it over the bank is not working. So um, you know we need to we need to fix that laneway to the south and they need a couple other access points to get down to the south of that thing. If we ever do have to get down on the south end of the, where everybody's been pushing it over now, I have no way to get back there. Um, we don't have force fighting equipment. I mean, we have fire trucks and hoses. Um, we need access points, a couple of them. It'd be nice to have one, at least on the, that east end and maybe on that west end, like a laneway or something. I'm not going to take a $250,000 fire truck down there, but our little quick attack would be kind of handy. And I can't even get that down there now. I will tell you, Ed, that Chewy 
and purchase here with total both. Make sure you get a road down or do that. I know we talked about that. It never happened. They forgot to tell the operator, obviously. Yeah. By the time we got them, they were gone. So. Yeah. I mean, it's gravel already. Right. It's you know. It's, but we know you need a road down there. I need some access down to that dump or down to that south end. But if we can, you know, this thing's filling up. I mean, all that concrete going in there from the tile plant. That, I don't know how many years we have to continue that. I know it was an agreement with the Westside family, but that's come and gone two or three times now. It's not owned by Westside, it's owned by a company that has their own crushing equipment. It could be crushing their own concrete. And they should. And they should. Yeah, they, I mean, they have their own equipment. and pile it up in their plant and, and crush it. They, that's what they're in the business to do. I mean, all it's doing is filling that place up, and I don't think there's anybody sitting here that's going to affect, but the next generation, uh, they're going to have to think about finding a place to get rid of their stuff. And if we keep going it the way we're going to, it's gonna, they're going to have no place to go. I spent eight years on the, on the landfill board, and we uh, put one extra cell in before I got off the uh, board for our garbage to go to. was expected to get 15 to 20 years, and it ain't been that long, and now we're hauling our garbage to Carroll. So. And we better start managing now or we're going to have a problem down the road, you know, for the future residents of this town, so. Thanks, Jim. All right. If anybody's got any questions for me, I'll be no, glad to I'm so glad you spoke before me, you actually. I'm Mary Bold, by the way. I haven't been around for 15 years, but I'm back home. And I'm so glad to be back home and to, to our fine, beautiful city and our conservation area and our lakes and our rivers and our, everything about this town um, is beautiful. And I thank you all. I just want to reiterate some, I'm so glad you spoke before me. And I'm not against open burning. That is not why I'm here. I just want to reiterate some of the stuff is, that has been talked about before. And actually, after him talking, all as I want to point out is that my concerns, concerns for health issues, and you said that already that you don't like the smoldering. I don't like it either. Right. I use the, the dump. I mean, I'm happy that it's here. And I'm glad we have it. And I do agree with you speaking about the burning of the leaves and such. That's our problem. It isn't the wood that's being burned. It's the green wood and it is the leaves that are being done. And when you mentioned that, I was so happy because I think there should be a specific area for leaves and, and um, bagged uh, Grass. grasses and such that we take down. I use it for that also. But I don't think it should be in plastic containers. I think we should eliminate any plastic that's taken out. It's already that way. It is, good. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, Depends which Saturday you drive down. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I do agree that um, someone should be in charge, but that is why I'm here. I think that there should be a logbook on who starts the fire and who stops it. So there, and so it's a controlled burn. I think that's not asking anything bad of anybody. I think it should be a controlled burn. As stated by you in our city site that says the campground should be controlled burn at all times. Someone should get the fire only if it's left going, if that person takes it and gives it to another person to use the fire. It states in the city site. And I think that it's no different from our dump issue. I think we should have a log book that says the name of the person, the date the fire started, and then when the fire is put out, and one person should be in charge of that, or more than one person, as long as they put their name down. And I agree that it should be burned. It is full. Yep. And we need a controlled burn, like you stated. I'm not against the burn. I'm not against that. I'm against when it smolders. And that causes health issues. 
And we do have a lot of elderly people in our town. I'm one of them. I have, I have health issues. And um, it's not just bad for the elderly, which we do have a lot of retired people in our town. But we should be concerned for our children, too, with asthma and bronchitis. And we should be concerned of how it affects our youth also, not just the elderly people. Because it does cause lung disease, and if you have lung issues or heart issues like I have, it doesn't, it aggravates those issues. So I think that a controlled burn is what we need. I'm not against the burn. I'm not against it at all. And what this pamphlet of stuff does in rhetoric, it does suggest that it should be a controlled burn and scheduled burns. It should be when the weather is right, when the wind is in the right direction. Burn it three times a week if you want. If the weather's good, get rid of it. We gotta get rid of it. Exactly. But it needs to be controlled. That's my only issue. And it does um, affect our environment also. You know, those molecules that are pollutant is the smoldering fire. It's not the hot burning fire. It's the smoldering fire that those molecules are in the air and we bring them in and it does affect our lungs. Everybody, not just the elderly, everybody. And that is my concern is the health issue of it. And I, I just don't think um, asking for a log book is unreasonable. I think it's a simple answer to a problem that's gone on way too long, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what anybody else has to say about it, but um, is there a log book? I don't know. No, there's not. I think that would be a simple solution, don't you? We haven't officially lit it for two years. Yeah. Some, somebody's smoldering from the campground. We're going to try to take care of the And I'm not against the campground, but I no. think you, what you put on the same side is excellent. But it should be somewhere there at all times. And it should be put out when they're not using it. And if they're, someone wants to put it out, that's fine. I'm all for that. And, I, and it brings people to our town. My son has a business here. I'm not going to not want people to come to our beautiful city and enjoy it just well, as much as we do. What a lot of people don't know is that that dump is probably smoldering underneath there right now. Oh, I'm sure it is. Okay. Um, if you go down there and push leaves over the bank and start pushing that back and cover <coughs> to it, nobody has to like it. gets there. So we need to change where we're pushing it, and then the stuff we're not pushing over the bank, we need to put. And I think you said it perfectly. I think there should be an area for brush. There should be an area for grass and, and whatever. But I don't think any of that combustible stuff should be near what we're going to burn, the dry woods. I think that, and I'm so glad you spoke before me because that was a big concern. I thought there should be designated areas for everything that's taken there. And I'm sorry that the trial plant is. Um, well, that's another issue. Yeah, that's yeah. another issue. But um, I just, I have nothing to say other than it is not envir environmentally safe when it smolders. It's not good for our wildlife. It's not good for our lakes and, and our pits and our rivers. It's not good for our wildlife at all. It's not good for us. Or the firemen down are putting it out every Yeah. Live there. Yeah. Huh? Live there. Yeah. And I, I live right on the... North, north end of that, and I'm telling you, it's like a, it's like somebody's got a big ass fan, and they're just blowing it. So I've lived two blocks north of it for 28 years, yeah. I know, and it's it's nobody in here lighting that fire. Well, I, I, I know that things the city happen. does not like that dump on fire. I, I know stuff gets pushed where it shouldn't be pushed, and that's yeah. what caused the last. I'll, I'll stand up for the city. The city does not like that dump. So, so I, you guys have been here numerous times. What do you think of? Jim's plan. I like the plan, but I, but I think this is my theory on the thing, or what I would like to see. I don't want to see that big-ass pile, excuse my French, I shouldn't even cuss. I don't want to see that big pile lit at one time. 
I want to see small portions right. burn up. Mm. That will burn up within a 24-hour period. And be put out. And be put out. And I want to be able to go outside on my weekends where it's nice and enjoy my yard. That's all I ask for. And, and believe it or not, seven I, weeks that dump burn last time. Yeah. Seven weeks. And I even smell it up um, near the school at when the air is heavy. So that's why I say it should be done when the weather and, and the environment is suitable for burning. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm all for that. But like I said, I think it should be small piles. I like Mary's idea that it should be somebody signing a paper saying, People need to be educated on how to light a fire. Exactly. That's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest problems. And I, I say use our cameras that are installed out there and, and find these people that have a light. And the people who made them go back and get the bags. Yeah. yeah. And, and on the DNA. Another starting. No, and we haven't done that yet. I mean, Someone should be held accountable when they Yes. Yeah. No, so I far mean, we've just It should them. go in our city's money. People need fine. There are laws in place that says it should be controlled and someone should be there at all times. That's what and the that's what these papers say, and it does state the health issues and the health concerns, and that's really important because we do have a lot of elderly people in our town. But the Iowa law does state that. So. Sandy. Oh, I'm sorry. So, um, if the campground is responsible for some of this, do we need to change procedures about? Because I think all they do on Mondays is scoop up all the ashes from the weekend, put it in the tractor, and then drive it down to the dump. We're going to get a trigger of this metal bottom and keep it up in the campground for a few days before they break it out. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Because if that's the reason the fire's starting all the time is the well, campground. That's the dump where the cement's at, the ashes from the yeah. campground now. That's, that's our plan going into spring. Well, so the time we yeah. burned for seven days, it was supposedly because the campfire ashes got dumped on the leaves. Or pushed over on them. That's why I'm saying we need to change procedures. I didn't know this other yeah. So we're looking for an old pickup box with a hitch on it. Well, I think we all want the same thing. Well, I think we all do this. Yes. I don't want to spell yes. it either. But I really do wish there would be a logbook in place. I think yeah. that um, when you have a documented fire, like a building fire, they have to put in a, a sheet of paper as far as I'm like this to tell you when they're going to burn, yeah. when the weather's permitted. And I think it could be something as simple as just this in a log in a log book, and it tells the time you start the burn, the time you put the burn out, and and I think it should say what direction the wind is blowing at the time period. But like a cut, like a citizen can't go down and burn their no. pile. No, yeah, you're talking about the city employees. Yes, when they, yes. Anybody yeah. that is there to control the burn yeah. should be accountable. Accountable. Somebody needs it. held accountable for when right. stuff gets out of hand. We can call you and call you, but. Well, when we do that, we have a control burn. We always talk to Jim, we talk to Dean, City Hall knows about it. And we probably should get more signage that says, do not, you know, ignite yeah. a fire. And, but I think a lot of people I mean, we got two poles going up. And we can hang it the right last few years, years, nobody's lit the dump. It's miraculously caught on fire. Well, so, well, like like Jim says, it's smoldering. And if you. You bring air to that; it's it's gonna ignite more. It's, well, we think it's campground ashes. Campground ashes. I know. I know for a fact. I've kept an eye on this. Trust me. Um, you know, on Monday morning, you know, the campground ashes go down there, and on Monday night, it's on fire. Yeah. And I go down there, and there's the ash pile that's supposed to be by the concrete, which isn't. It's out there by the brush, and then where where the whatever they hold it down there with. It doesn't take an engineer to figure out that that pile used to be here and now it's down there and it's, now it's on fire. So, but I don't understand because I, I, I've even taken pictures of this. I've been modern, I've been up here crying about this for how many years, you know, literally. But I've taken pictures of that when they say that the leaves it burn from underneath. 
How does that happen in seven spots? By the pictures that are. I got pictures in there. Yeah, sure. In seven yeah. spots. How and does that happen? Also, it also started ignited some um, live trees there, which debarked them, and they're dead now. Mm -hmm. I'm sure because. Well, how does that happen, Jimmy? Well, those. She just brought up a good point. Um, there again, uh, I probably go down there minimum of two or three times a year. And if you go down there now and look at those trees that are 75 foot high. Yeah, they're charred. Well, when them little ashes come down, it starts fires all over. Yeah, I got them on my roof of my house. I got them on my canopy. They burned the tarp on our fire truck. We yeah. had to put it out with another yeah. tarp. It burned our tarp on, our, on, on, on my gazebo. So it burned my That's how it starts yeah, in normal places. So we really should be concerned about that as a safety factor because it could start some house on fire. The fire was not a hand at that point in time, Jimmy. It was just started smoldering. And that's yeah. when I went down and took a picture, and all of a sudden it smoldered seven spots. And I don't understand how that happens. If you, well, when the like should be, if you went down there and start moving, moving the right, down there, at the same time. that's all smoldering on there. I, I guarantee you, if you go down there and put air to that thing, if you go down there and start pushing that back and start getting air to that, you're going to start multiple places. So they don't just push back on the spot. Well, I think we're all here for the same reason and the same, same concern. Well, the city's trying to do what's right for the community. Exactly. And uh, I think we're on a... I don't know, they can use my plan or their own plan or whatever they want to do, but I think everybody understands here that they're trying to fix the problem. I can understand that with the berm that they put around there, which was, yeah. was smart. Yes. After I, I looked at that, a very I'm smart. I'm really glad you mentioned the um, separate areas because I was going to bring that up in my notes also that I have here. That it needs to be separate areas and, and um, designated areas for everything, I think. And then we can all be happy. I mean, we live in the same town. Um, we're like family in this small town, I think. That's my opinion. And we can agree upon the fact that these things need done, and they need done sooner than later. And I think a log book would be a wonderful tool in our, for us to use as a community. And I don't think that's a difficult thing to do, <coughs> set up a log book and, and, and someone sign in and sign out when the fire is put out. So they can say, well, it was out when I was there. So if the fire starts later, they're not accountable for that. I don't think it's that hard. Well, I don't think the council would want to have some sort of motion that would put Jim and Dean and Scott together would put together a plan and and come back later and talk about it again? Right. I think that's a wonderful but, idea. But I'd really like to see the piles not so big that they're burning where it can't burn out in 24 hours. And the logs that or got taken, the trees got from Hancock out of it. Now we take them, we, if they're going to be a whole bunch come, we take them to that Schrager farm south of town. Uh, yeah. They'll Good. take them. Somebody's out there tonight moving. Well, it sounds like you've put some things yeah. in place already. Right. Yeah, they were taking some out then tonight. Yeah, big blow. Big blow. Got a gravel thing on the bucket. Well, I'll make a motion. Um, I think we were just talking about that the Sandy should be included on in that yep. committee. Mm -hmm. to the I think now I think it comes down to education to the employees down there. Sandy, Dean, and I didn't know. Jimmy, and Scott. Meet and come up with a plan. Second. Second to that. Second. Hey, Roll call. Excuse All me, right. before I go, can I, can I um, ask beyond that, team? Can a citizen be on it? Why not? I don't know why not. Okay, thank you. You, got, you have to give Scott your phone number. Yeah, you oh, I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone, for yeah. listening.
Yep. I appreciate it. And there's a lot of good information and reading in there. And I highlighted what needs to be read. And I, uh, there was a part of that uh, regarding COVID. And right now we know COVID is a thing that we need to discuss and how it affects them. Because the particles that we inhale goes in, uh, into our bloodstream and stops the oxygenated blood. And with COVID already being that way, that it affects your bloodstream and your oxygen in your blood, it's a very important part to read. Thank you. Yeah. You bet. Roll call. All right. Uh, Wolfman. Yes. Beckman. Yes. Frank. Yes. Moeller. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Ordinance. If anybody wants to stay, that's fine. Ordinance. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be back. Welcome back. You want to give me your phone number before we Yes, I will. On my Six six zero six nine one one. Thank you, Scott. Very good. You bet. Thanks. You're available most times. All the time. All the time. I'm retired. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, ordinance five eighteen is we're going to fix some of these ordinances. This is speed for any of the speed limits. Yeah, just. Uh, there, we have a an ordinance, a speed ordinance that references speed on Highway 71, and <coughs> just clarify that changes it to Highway 175. Make it switch. A motion to approve 518. So moved. I'll second. Roll call. Or, uh, roll call. Muller. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Coltman. Yep. Beckman. Yep. Frank. Yes. We'll move by a motion to waive the second and third readings. So moved. Second. Second. Roll call. Moulton. Yep. Moulton. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Beckman. Yes. Frank. Yes. <laughs> we need one more motion on 518 to finally approve. So moved. Second. Second. Roll call. Moulton. Yes. Beckman. Yes. Frank. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Moulton. Yes. Okay, ordinance 519 is the parking of the campground. Yeah, this is the one where it, it refers to um, Parking at the beach parking area, and that parking is not allowed there between 10:30 p.m. and 4 a.m. Now, that I'm sure was was implemented when the office wasn't down there. There wasn't any parking at the at the beach at the time. Now people park there all the time. So this would just propose to rescind that uh, ordinance. We have a motion to approve 519. We'll make that motion. Second. Second. Roll call. Frank. Yes. Moeller. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Waltman. Yep. Beckman. Yes. Give me a motion to waive second and third readings. I'll uh, make that motion. Second, Moeller? Second. Roll call. <coughs> Frank. Yes. Beckman. Yes. Waltman. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Moeller. Yes. Give me a motion to finally approve. So Second. Second. Roll call. Moeller. Yes. Frank. Yes. Beckman. Yes. Waltman. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Ordinance 520. That's about our doc permits. Yes. So. We need to fill in the blanks. 520. The. Uh, so in 2009, the council passed a motion to change doc permits. Okay, they passed a motion to do that. They did not uh, pass a, an ordinance to make that change. So the ordinance currently says the fee is $100, 
and if the abutting property owner maintains that adjacent property, that $75 is waived, so the fee is $25, and the hoist permit then is $30. That's what the, uh, the code reads right now. That motion in 2009 uh, made it such that the fees were the same as what the DNR fees were, and that's $200 for a dock permit and $50 for each hoist. I don't see any reason to raise them. I think we ought to have 520 with the $200 and then the $50 left hoist. Are we going to reimburse the property owner and waive the fee for them maintaining it? Because the DNR maintains the ground on their docks. So. I, I think we'll just let them maintain it themselves. If they don't, it's no big deal to us, is it? I don't know, is it? I don't know. You live there. You're not, you don't leave a mess. You're, you're going to be the one liable for it. You, you, I'll, I'll and you know, the D, you know the DNR documents, the only one they're charging for is on North State Road, right? I have no idea. I do. So I've done my homework. I have no doubt that you have. So the only place they charge for documents is along Crescent Park Drive. That's charged by the city and North State Road. So they, they don't charge a dentist each anymore? No. Uh, no. We get charged. We have a charge. And, and no less. Yep. We're $250. $250. Uh, $200. Uh, yeah. So it's yours by the DNR? Yeah. They told me different today. Yeah, we pay. You pay. Lakewood. No. We pay. Ours is different. Oh, yeah, we own right. the lake front property. Yeah, you're yeah, correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have different charges. Yeah. And we do have to take care of the land in front of our... We have to mow it, we have to maintain it, everything. We have to maintain everything there. They don't maintain anything. And we are not allowed to move anything. We should be consistent and stay with what they got there. Council want to leave the same 250 or what do you want to do? Need a motion on 520. I'll make that motion. Second. I'll second it. Roll call. Just clarify then $200 for a dock uh, permit and $50 for each hoist. Yes. And then the language about uh, maintaining the, the land then is just removed. Yep. Okay. All right. So who was. Uh, Wait, so who, who maintains the land? The, the neighboring, that, I guess, I, the neighboring property owners maintain the land. Okay. Um, they're they maintain the land. You know, and out there at the Crescent Park uh, Drive, this is where we have that dock permit agreement with the with the DNR. Um, that expires at the end of this calendar. Year. Where does that uh, go up to Brick Renzi's property? He's the last. He's the last one. That's where it splits off between Crescent Park and Denison Beach. And you guys pay yours to the state. To the DNR. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we maintain that ground. They don't do. If I want to trim those trees, I I have to get their permission, but I have to pay for it because they will not pay for it. They won't pay for anything. Twenty motion to twenty second. Roll call. Okay. Um, thank you. Yes. Mulder. Yes. Frank. No. Beckman. No. Holden. Yep. Motion passes. Motion to waive the second and third readings for the twenty. It will require four four votes to waive. No. Nothing you want. You guys gonna maintain your votes, otherwise we'll waive it. I've gotta maintain mine. Okay. You know how much money I spent down there? We appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Okay, we got down to the tentative agreement with the uh, local union. We have a motion to approve that agreement. 
So moved. Second? I'll second. Roll call. Yes. Frank. Yes. Beckman. Yes. Waltman. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Summer staffing. We got a plan. It's going to cost more money. Mm -hmm. Are we going to? Are you skipping over ten? No. Mm -hmm. Well, that's. Mm -hmm. Um. Will we start with the trees. Can we talk for that? Summer. Summer staffing. We'll take you. Me. Yep. Um. Uh -huh. So. All I really have to say is that, um, and I know we raised it from $9 to $11, um, it's what we're going to get is $11 an hour kind of people to work on. Um, I just hope you consider a little bit more. I don't know who's coming back this year. Um, I'm very worried that if Jack's health isn't good and he's not coming back, I don't know who we're going to find to do 28 toilets and urinals and 14 sinks like he did and take care of it. We have no mold in our bathrooms. It's a long process, and it takes it's a 40-hour job that Jack did a week. And I just don't know who's going to do it for 11 bucks. Um, the bump outs, I know that got brought up at the last meeting. My only thing to say about those bump outs is we're putting the money in to fix the bump outs and make them look good. Um, we had lots of compliments last year. Um, the plan that we have in, um, that we're working on right now, um, but... We didn't just stop at the bump outs. Myself and then a couple of volunteers from town, we took leak blowers and we blew the streets off and we scooped it up and took it out to the dump. Um, and we had great compliments about how good Main Street looked last year because we did do the exercise. I hope you consider the bump out. I don't know if you're going to spend how much for the year, but it's going to be busy in the spring. And then it's not going to be an every day, I don't think, thing. I mean, they're going to have to check for the weeds. I'm more than happy to come up and help. Um, and then it's keeping the streets clean. I mean, we picked up so much garbage out of the bump outs all the days that we were there planting and taking care of it. The dogs pooped in my boxes. There's cigarette butts everywhere and then just trash. So I, that's my little thing about the bump outs. Many I got a comment about the bump outs. We, you, you have a person watering them bump outs and he sits in the pickup while he's watering. Couldn't he uh, be working on it? Who's, who's the waterer? Well, wasn't it a water tank in the back of a pickup? It had been in previous years. Not on my time it hasn't been. You know how we water, Mike? With a golf cart and five-gallon pails. That's what we have as a vehicle to drive around. And my watering starts down at the community, the pharmacy down there. Mm -hmm. There's one down there. goes all the way to 3rd Street. And we have to stop somewhere and find water. And we're soaking wet. Well, the year, I know years ago, there used to be a... a There's still a tank that can go in the back. Yeah, they would sit there and do the trees when they first got going south of the bike arch. They would sit there and water. They, they used to water in all the flowers around here. And, yep. And, but and you're right. They, they could be doing double duty instead of sitting in the pickup is what I'm getting at. I don't know about how that worked. I can tell you that my mini golf person usually took off as soon as the golf cart was available because Jack always took it. And then once we had that at 10 o'clock, they would fill up the five-gallon pills. They'd sometimes even stop at my house and fill up, or they'd stop off at the park and fill up, or wherever we could get water. It was by the uh, by golf cart. And it stinks. It's not a fun job because you're absolutely drenched when you're done. But we, we do have the equipment, is what I'm saying, to use, put it in the back of a pickup. I brought it up to Eric, and I think, Scott, that um, this next season going forward, we're going to need a lot of water for everything that we're doing with the bump outs. 
that I hope I get my turn at that truck with the watering tank on it so that we can get up there and water and it's a much faster process and then they can be doing something else. Right. Yeah, but I don't think the water guy is going to be the one to sit there and pull weeds and I mean once you're watering you're, you're not going to stop watering. I, I'm looking for somebody to, if we need a water to water them, but to pull weeds and the garbage that's in them. Um, I see Ruth Green is at still, I thought she was on for one year. I have no idea what your agreement was with her. That was not, I was no part of any of that. So we, Can we I make Ruth? a comment about Ruth though, really quick please? Yes. Um, so my first year last year, I spent the majority of my time out hands-on, out of side of the office. It's a big deal. This whole reservation system that we're using, it's not a simple process. And all the book work that goes with it, and then answering the phones and answering all the emails. I mean, I'm still doing it now. The emails that come in from the campers is, is just crazy. Um, I, I need her. I need her. I don't even, I don't know what you guys want to do there, but I would love to at least have her for a half a day. That way in the mornings I can get out there and get my stuff done and help with the crew. And then, um... I just need her to teach me a little bit more about this whole reservation thing and the start of the summer it's not a simple process because we got your annual campers that are there all summer they start calling in on the 15th of april there's a whole process I'm she's not the only one who knows how to run it besides you she's the one that's done it for 20 some years yeah, it's uh as, as you look at staff and any returning staff you have sandy right and and uh and then Ruth. And that likely might be the only modern returning staff at the campground. Well, I, I agree that's probably going to be the only returning staff, but we're all, well, why can't she be the assistant manager then if Ruth wants to come back? And I don't know if Ruth does. Again, we haven't advertised for that stuff. But no, I would tell you folks that, I, that I've talked with Ruth, and Ruth was was interested in, in coming back. Um, if you know, assuming everything continues as well as it has been. For her and for Charlie, of course, there's some extenuating circumstances there too about how Charlie's doing. Because the way this looks right now, we're adding another park worker, part time. Mm -hmm. We're adding a bio set or a bump out helper, and then we're keeping all the staff that we had at the campground last year. Correct? Yeah, that, that's true. We were just short last year, that's all I can say. There just wasn't enough people to get everything done. And it takes people to make that thing work down there. Um, and let me comment too on, I think, is that what you're talking about, Dale, the new seven and a half month worker number three? Yep. Um, I think what our, our goal is, is he's going to be the person that will eventually take over like um, what Eric is doing. Eric and Mark, they've very much voice for sure Eric Eric only wants to work half days yeah so I guess I'm looking at this and if Eric wants to cut back then it might not be we, that number or, or should we be looking for a lead parks guy with Eric working with the lead parks guy that's what we're doing well that's not the way it's really not, well, maybe not, right you know, as far as uh, uh, titles might go Dale you know if Eric is proposed to be the lead guy, but yeah, we'd look for a, a third guy. That <coughs> the third guy would be know what to do. Right. Looking, uh, looking forward to the next uh, two or three years after that uh, to take over and, and 
really be knowledgeable about what's going on. Um, you just said you think about Eric and, and Mark. I think they've used fifteen thousand for their for their wages for the past couple years, and they do want to cut back. Um, they do want to cut back. What that number would exactly be, I don't know. They don't want to leave the bioretention cells for one. Yeah, I can't imagine who's going to apply for that job. Not for fourteen. That's eleven dollars. Eleven dollars. Yeah, not for eleven. Our mayor wants to do that. <laughs> I'm already spoken for. Don't <laughs> really get up if I do that. And. And I don't, I don't know that I can see Ruth putting in the what we would need as an assistant manager. That everything that goes with that job. It's she, she's very good at the ordering the office, the taking care of the customers, this whole reservation system that I'm still trying to learn. Um, and I know she doesn't want to work at nighttime at all. So what you're saying is, if we have a individual coming in. Like Ruth coming in, what, what, what time does she work from 8 to noon? Is that what she Ruth, she usually goes in about set, set, like what I would love out of her at minimum is I would love to see her do 7.30 to 11.30. So that gives me time to go out and do all the other stuff that I do and then get back in there. But I don't know what you guys have for an agreement with her and what, like if she was... She is on the forty-hour, twenty-hour. I was not here for any of that planning. And I would tell you, we don't, we didn't have any agreement about. You know, we had an agreement. She was going to be what we called our uh, consultant last year. And if she'll stay, we take and, it. Yeah, and yeah, really, it's a. Yeah, but it's a but what of, you're saying is that you you don't see her as being an assistant manager. So then you, we would have to find someone to be an assistant manager. And we would have to get a job description of what that entails. Right. It's kind of like what Hannah did last year. And Hannah was very, very good at her job. But unfortunately, she's also hired for the promotions part. So on the big weekends when I really needed her or like um, band or when the Stonecare concerts, I didn't get her. So I went in in the morning and stayed till night um, to cover her. I don't know if Scott can pull up her um, the amount of hours that she actually even worked. Yeah, not very much. There wasn't no, it, very it much. Just didn't, didn't but we work had out. the we had the position for the uh, mm -hmm. just that she also was of course working with Milton's on me right. and, and had lots of hour demands there. So um, she was our our assistant manager and with the goal of that assistant manager position being that we staff virtually all of the hours either with a manager or an assistant manager. We're not going to know until we advertise. What are the hours that somebody's on it all the time? Um, so, like I said, Ruth was usually there by 7.30. And then uh, Mondays and Tuesdays we close at 4. Wednesdays we close the office at 7. Thursday is at 8 or 9, I don't remember. And then Friday and Saturday we're down there till 10. And on Sundays, um, 6 o'clock. You said Thursdays at 8? I will have to text. I can't remember if it's 8 or 9. And, and it depends on the week. If it's a regular week, um, they're out of there at 
Um, if it's a holiday week, that Thursday night, they're usually there till 9 or 10 because the people start coming in on Thursday. So holiday weeks, it is a few more hours. So the goal is to have somebody in that shed at all times during them hours, correct? Right, and you, Dale, you usually have to have at least two people because if something happens outside and you got to go, somebody right. still has to be inside. Somebody's got to sell the snacks. And Somebody's, yeah, you got to have some of the concessions. Butters. And some of the concessions help we hired, we, they weren't allowed to be in the reservations part. They didn't get trained on that. There, we had strict rules about the email because in the beginning they kind of would think around <laughs> on the computer and answer emails. And we didn't know if they got answered correctly or not, and we had problems, so we had to get rid of that. <clears throat> so, I'm just going to ask a goofy question. Okay. Instead of it being called a mini golf helper, could mm -hmm. it be another attendant? Um, or is that mini golf helper only for the mini golf and can't be the other attendant? I would love it if all we had is one person who focused on mini golf and again they're not there all day. In the spring they're going to put more hours in than the rest of the time because there's planting and all that. Then what that mini golfer would do is come in every morning, morning every morning, blow the um, mini golf off. There's always, always sticks to pick up every single day and then you got the saplings to trim and weeds to pull and then you got to water that whole thing. I think it's but it's workable. Like I'm open to right now. That's what we did. They would go outside and do that, and then they would come in a little bit and do the inside. But apparently, before me, um, the mini or the campground attendants didn't have to do mini golf because we'd had some hires back from the years before, and when they found out they had to go out and do mini golf, it was a battle. And some of the new equipment's going to help with that, right? Yes, if we can get, if we're getting the, the bigger sprayers, the blowers, that's right. going to cut down on a lot of time. And if I can get my hands on that truck for the watering. So if we just call everybody campground attendants, whether they do mini golf or not, and you just tell that person that you're doing mini golf today or whatever, mm -hmm. it's then, when, then when somebody's... If you just hire for somebody for a mini golf helper, and they might get their feelings hurt because they have to go clean toilets or something because you that's can't what happened. That's that. why interviews will be different so, this year. I was green, had no idea last year. I will guarantee you the job description is going to be laid out before we hire them, so they know. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Um, you know, and it depends on who the people, you might not need that third campground attendant um, if we had the right crew. But aren't you, asked, aren't you just saying the same, and I just hear what I thought you were saying to have it, that campground attendant would be the mini golf helper might have to do the campground stuff, right? Right. That's what I thought I heard you say, yeah. Oops. No. <coughs> no, my battery oh my just died. <laughs> I think the way it's been for years is like, I use Lauren, she was really good. For years, Lauren was the mini golf girl. She, Lauren, um, yeah, she came down, that was her job. And then last year, she trained Olivia. And then the, the kind of census was like, by new year, done. Olivia? No, Lauren. Uh, I don't know before me. My daughter was there before her, and I know she did bump outs. As well, I wonder, with us going through this budget stuff, and maybe we could get a 
summary of what everything is required in the whole parks thing, just you know, with, so we can understand what's all going on, mm -hmm. so it helps us budget. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So we know what the really requirements are. Mm -hmm. We do we have job descriptions for all? <coughs> we do, but she just got done talking about changing them. So. Well, yeah, and, and some of these attendants that you have, let's say, can you not cross-train them on and then rotate what they're doing? You know, one day it might be the mini-golf, one day it might be bump-outs, one day it might be something else. So Yeah, I did that last year, and I didn't, didn't help. Know. Well, it, yeah, it's just in the, when we hired them, they're like, well, no one said I had to be out watering oh, flowers. Yeah. Well, it will be said this year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One of the things we're doing, too, we're raising our rates a couple bucks, right? So I think, you know, we could kind of take a look at putting the number together for what the wages could be for mm -hmm. to raise them up a little bit and see where we're at. I mean, uh, a little bit more where we're at. We'll see how many there is and then, then kind of determine how. But I think once we have an idea of what the, what the requirements are, right. that's going to help us know what we, right. because as you, if I'm sitting here looking at this last year, from last year to this year, we're adding <clears throat> one, two, and then we had one job that wasn't even filled last year that's still in here. So. Well, we do have a total, don't we? 104,000? 104, I see. 132. Yeah. I don't know. Find those. Huh? Ran out of the paint. You need to be in the park section. Park section. Next section up. Page 20. Yeah. But it's just in the middle, middle, say, the middle, middle section. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like one person doing the office, but that other person has to be available to the campers because they're just at you all the time. Something's going on out there that they need attention for. So it can't be ran with just one person because then we'd have to lock the door to leave. And so then if that person's out helping campers and you got one of the concessions, sometimes we run three people a shift on some of it. And the bio cell things, I don't even know how many bio cells or anything we have. I didn't even know about this until we got into it and Mark or Eric started. The day he came back from doing thistles at one of the bio cells. So we have two right now. This land. Yeah, you can't do that. The land eating land there. Yep. One at the museum. There's that's horseshoe. Horseshoe has oh. a little one that nobody knew about, so we backed it all off once. Maybe the neighbors are going to want to do that. <laughs> With the uh, uh, sort of like a DAPA highway. Yeah. yeah. Let's ask uh, Joyce. DAPA. <laughs> <laughs> I was going farther with Well, we could ask Dale. Neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are we going to have her put together like a? I'm going. I will. A portfolio for us. Does that make sense? We'll get we'll have a better idea. Mm -hmm. But you would want to be able to get to is just so to uh, uh, um, even getting applications out there. We, we would we would advertise. Well, I, I don't think there's any reason to hold off on a, putting applications out there, putting advertising out for applications. Because so, the sooner you get there, the sooner we get some of these people maybe locked in for, so, before they go somewhere else. I'm looking at. 
What's it? It's in the council packet then. Assistant campground manager, it's in the memo. Three campground attendants, or we can just say we're advertising for for campground attendants. Um, I don't, many, think, you many I don't think you have to list the number of them. No, you're um, You know, this would say bump bump out uh, uh, maintenance person, but you know we can. What we do, I would tell you, with with the mini golf helper, is that it's been a great position for a a youngster to fill, and that the position can be filled by a 14 year old. And boy, uh, we've and had I 14 year olds start there. For, <laughs> for a, a 14 year old don't get pulling weeds and cutting saplings and picking up sticks, and they you know what they get? They get their their focus is they blow it off, and then when you start, well, you got to do these weeds and stuff too. Then they're like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, they got to work. I think it'd be a great person for somebody who loves to garden. What I don't know why we can't advertise for assistant campground manager, campground attendants, and um, leave it at that, and then see where it goes from there. And use your when they, the applications come in, we can. Yeah, so somebody we, might we like she's saying it might be a retired person that wants to go clean and and do that stuff where they only want to work two hours a week, or it might be somebody else that wants six hours a week or eight or six hours a day or something like that that we could utilize doing other things. So why, why limit it? So you'll let us know how many hours are expected of the. Background attendance and so forth. I have all my calendars who worked what. Okay. So, would we advertise for a uh, another seven and a half months? <coughs> Just to differentiate between what we've called a seven and a half month worker and then the two uh, one or two seasonal parks workers, those, those are, would be the summer helpers. And the other, the other guys were seven and a half months. Um, the other thing that we haven't talked about is utility floaters. I'd like to advertise for utility floaters, and we'll see how many we got. Last uh, last year we had one. We have had as many as three, but it has to do with really how many good candidates we get. In the they have to be 18. That need to be 18. Yep. <clears throat> uh, my opinion is advertise and see what you get, and then you pick from there. Okay. It'd be a good problem to have if you get to go through the. So how are you going to do that? Uh, what uh, wage is negotiable? Is that what we want to say, or are we going to go out? And, yeah. uh, you know, when people ask about when people ask about wages, they talk wages like they're listed here. So if it's a campground attendant right now, it's eleven dollars unless you would look at any changes. And they do, of course, ask about wages. Yeah. So like a fourteen-year-old in my head is the eleven dollar an hour person. The I don't know how to say this, but somebody who's going to go out and do the work and, I mean, like the campground attendant, like, uh, who's making the, um, selling the cans of pop and doing that, that is an $11, but it's the people outside doing the grunt work, the ones cleaning the toilets and hauling brush to the brush pile that they pick up. The physical labor part of it. Oh, you can't it have it be brush. the same as 11 years no, old or 14 and 14 or 11 bucks. Run a lawnmower mm -hmm. like a 16-year-old yeah. cannot run a chainsaw. But they, run a they can run a lawnmower but they can't run a chainsaw. Mm -hmm. Things, so they can drive the pickup out to get rid of the brush or the ashes or whatnot. Yeah. For a 16-year-old? Yeah. We've made adjustments to if we have the right person we've gotten 
been able to pay them what we had to to get them. So I don't think that's a huge problem. Because we're not going to get anybody for 11 bucks that you want. Right. So like the attendant part, like I picture that as the concessions girl. You know, and then you've got the office person, and they're the ones that are complaining with all the complaints and the phone calls and the, which is not as fun of a job as making snow cones. We'll get on the stuffing. I'm still a little unsure about whether you want to work on anything on wages or we're just going to proceed with advertisements and and, and we can address that stuff later. Find out who we're going to get. You can state that in, you know, depending on qualifications. Yeah. Right, because if you leave it advertising at 11, it, it will deter people from applying. Yeah, they generally don't advertise what the wage is. <coughs> Just that we're accepting uh, applications for, for these positions, but of course they usually do. They ask. Yeah. They scare them when they get here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay we'll proceed with that, with advertisement. <laughs> Okay, we're going to consider the resignation of our police chief. Regretfully, of course. So if we say no, does he have to stay? <laughs> no. Uh, I submitted my letter this morning to Scott. I think you all have a copy. I just want to say thank you. Um, not just me and my family. Like you, has treated my family and I fantastically, and just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Um, and um, I appreciate everything you guys have done for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Brandon, I would like to tell you something that I heard this weekend from somebody at the city at Sacramento Courthouse. Kudos to you for following up with the excellent paperwork. Well, <laughs> so, it hasn't been done in the past, and they made sure that I was aware that you were doing a great job. I appreciate it. Thank so, you. Thank you for your service. And, and I know I've been here very shortly, uh, a lot shorter than I, I, you guys and I have anticipated. Um, anytime you go someplace and you head up a department, you hope that you leave it better than when, it, uh, when you arrived. And uh, I'm extremely proud of the officers, and I think... Um, Everybody's moving in a, a great direction. Moving forward. Do you, do you have a recommendation for a board in, in intern? Intern. Yeah, we're gonna do that after you have a motion to accept his resignation. Or if we don't accept it. <laughs> I don't think we got a whole lot of check. Is there a motion to accept the resignation of the police chief? So we'll talk to Ed and Dennison also. Second. Yeah. yeah. Second? I'll second. Roll call. Second. Yes. Frank? Yes. Muller? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Goldman? Yes. I've talked to Brandon and Scott, and I've also talked to Dan. I would propose that, that we hire Dan uh, as the interim police chief at $25 an hour. I would entertain that motion if the council would do so. So moved. Second? I'll second it. Roll call. Goldman? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Muller? Yes. Frank? Yes. Beckman? Yes. Okay, now we had to decide how to advertise. <clears throat> hey, I do want a point of clarification, I guess. You need to said $25 an hour. Um, so I talked with Dan ab about 
whether he'd be interested in, in being in a room. He'd be real interested in being in, in a room. And is there any, uh, you know, what, what his thoughts were about any financial arrangements? And he didn't necessarily have any any demands or or anything like this. But his suggestion was that uh, uh, generally that Lakeview pays under market for certified part-time guides, and that we generally pay us right around twenty bucks to end to get twenty-one eighty-six right, now. and and twenty-five was more the going rate. So I guess to clarify, is is this Dan's? Dan's new wage while he's serving as interim, or is this Dan's new wage? When he's interim. When he's interim? Sure. That seems fair. Okay. Thank you. How would the council like to advertise? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> um, well, we know what's in one. Uh, I like what the, works good. I like the idea of indeed. You know, mm -hmm. what? Internet? Indeed. Yeah. Have you ever used indeed? We have. You know, and yeah. indeed is a great place to look for candidates for anything. Where do police look for candidates? They have to be looking somewhere. Indeed. Indeed. Networking? Indeed. Yeah, it's networking. Um, I really don't think you guys get, you need to get too crazy when it comes to advertising. I think you guys can have plenty of candidates um, around the area. Yeah, so. There's some local individuals interested. Mm -hmm. So I think if, if we just advertise in the resort and maybe Tri County, Tri County, and see what happens, then maybe on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. I still suggest we put it on Indeed. Yeah, I guess I would help them other tasks that we're posting. Indeed is a great resource. When we uh, we used Indeed when we hired our last lineman and and got lots of responses mm -hmm. off of Indeed. Um, that online stuff is not all that expensive. Um, and, and you certainly get your get the word out there to the world. Um, so yeah, resort, Tri County Special, Sac Sun. We would like to have one online presence, I think. Um, what, uh, I guess, how would you like to advertise? You see on page 10 was the, was the advertisement that we used last time. Um, and then we just had that the position was open until filled. And we've, that's worked out well. I guess what, what I would suggest to you is to say that the position's open until filled with first review of applications on March 1st. It still gives about, by the time it publishes in the paper, publishes here on the 16th. So, you know, it, it only gets a couple weeks after the initial publish. Once we get those applications, as well, we need two councilmen to serve on the board to look at those applications. Yeah, and you guys can, of course, decide how you'd, how you'd like to bring them to the council. We did that last week. Yeah, I think Whitey and I did that last week. Mm -hmm. so. Well, it works. Well, you guys want to try it? That's it. It's fine. I'm going to you want a motion to advertise in those places? Yeah. 
I'll make the motion to advertise in the resort, Saxon, Tri-County, and Indy. Second. Roll call. Okay, Lord. Yes. Beckman. Yes. Holtman. Yep. Stankamp. Yes. Frank. Yes. That's okay then to have first review on March first. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now with that, then that is, well, that's the date when when Brandon would would start down in in Denison too. Yeah. So he would is. Last day working here is probably going to be the 25th that uh, Friday. Yeah. You want to put your name in in case you change your mind? Let's see if you get hired. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for everything you've done for it. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. 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 Okay, resolution 2208. We need to appoint. Jeff is a member of the team as a backup. Yeah, just that uh, Jeff has been our our uh, appoint, uh, appointed member to the NMPP Members Council, but they want everything done by formal resolution, so if we would approve that by resolution. I'll make the motion to approve. Second. I'll second. We'll call. Yes. Thank you. Yes. 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 Beckman. Yes. Frank. Yes. Jared, I have no idea why we made you wait through all of this. But at least. I'm here. I apologize. No problem. Scott, I just realized that I had this handy dandy. Uh, oh, you got the handy dandy clickerizer? Yeah, clickerizer deal. So we'll see. I think it may need to, may need to download the machine real briefly. But let's pump that in there, and then I should. should Come up saying it's downloading spirits of uh, installing, but should be real, real brief here. Mm -hmm. This is the solution. I'll put my foot on it. Hell yes, I want to cut it in by the end. It's outdated. I know. It looks like they're out. Pretty out of date. All right, thanks, guys. Um, I'm Jared Boozy with DGR Engineering. We're a design, electric, civil wastewater firm, um, consultant firm out of Rock Rapids, Iowa, northwest corner of the state there in Lyon County. Um, was uh, tasked by Scott here to, I think, there we go, okay. This might be awkward holding my hand like this, but we'll give it a shot. Um, anyway, Scott contacted us, <coughs> let us know that Lakeview is having quite a bit of growth, quite a bit of activity, 
uh, economics-wise. Um, anywhere, anyways, it's been a while since we did our last uh, electric system study update. I believe 1993 is the last time a comprehensive look at your guys' electric system uh, was taken and a report and recommendations were made at that time. So anyway, um, I'll get going here. I'll try to keep it concise and to the point here. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come and talk about the electric system here. <coughs> so just, just you're going to see some reoccurring no, uh, terminology here. I just wanted to touch on it a bit briefly here. Um, so basically, the electric power delivered by the city of Lakeview is uh, based on KW, so energy demand are the two main units of measurement for load that we're looking at for this system study. So energy is the KWH and demand is the KW or kilowatts. And the, the key thing is that the demand is what drives the capital in infrastructure improvements, uh, capital improvement projects. So that the demand sets your guys' system capacity, and that's what we have to keep an eye on when we look at peak and uh, the load growth levels that we're seeing here, uh, and both historical and projected. So just real, real briefly, want, briefly wanted to touch on that. Also, the voltage levels. So you guys have a transmission distribution, and then the service voltages. So the transmission comes into the substation just on the north side of town there at 69 kV. Um, that substation steps it down to 12.47 kV, which then the distribution system has various feeder network uh, and, and equipment that transmits it to the houses, to the consumers at usually you know 480 to 120 volts. So that's just kind of a, a quick rundown there on just some of the terminology you'll see, and especially if you read through the report. So just a little history, um, like I mentioned, we last looked at this system in a comprehensive fashion in 1993. Um, a lot of stuff has changed since then, quite a bit. There's been a lot of growth, and then there's also been some implemented projects over the years. I believe back in that study we, we had two phases similar to this. But the first one was you guys had like an old 2.4 kV system. I can't recall if that was a delta configured system or not. But anyway, you guys converted to the modern higher voltage level, which in increases the efficiency of power delivery across your system since 1983. And then also you guys uh, implemented an underground uh, in-town uh, construction method. So all of your, your most of your uh, distribution network is underground in the city limits. You do have some uh, rural uh, lines that are overhead yet, but in town it's your guys' practice to install underground pad mount equipment uh, or underground cable for, for your, your primary system here. So, you know, there's been a, a recent uptick in the, there's been kind of steady, you know, lake recreation load and everything, but uh, what, what really got the city engaged with us here and this recently is the uh, some exciting industrial and commercial developments that uh, have, are continuing to expand in, in the city's service area. Just real briefly here, your existing system is, uh, like I mentioned, you have a 69 kV, you're loop fed uh, by Mid-American Energy, MEC. They have a, a north line that comes to the north side of town and then also uh, that which can, can feed the substation from the north. 
uh, is needed. I believe your guys' normal feed is actually from the, the west, southwest. Uh, MEC also has a loop. They have a loop. You can be fed from both sides depending on if there's any adverse weather conditions or emergency events like that. So there's some redundancy there. Um, substation, you have one substation. It transforms voltage from 69 kV uh, from MEC to 12.47 kV. There are two transformers today. Um, it's, they have base ratings of 5 MVA and top end ratings of 7 MVA. So basically um, there are some cooling fans on the transformers that uh, turn on when you need to reach that upper uh, rating of 7 MVA. And so, but the base rating is 5 MVA for those units. Then you have, basically your substation is in really good condition. I guess most of it is in pretty good condition, um, but it was all built in the 70s. And so as we go here, you know, we're coming up on 45 years since that substation was built, and it's mostly all original equipment. Um, the 12.47 kV uh, switchgear shelter aisle is that gray building inside the substation fence, and that houses uh, approximate, well, what does it have? It's three, two, so five uh, air breakers that basically are the, uh, it's the switchgear that feeds the feeders that feed the town. And then your distribution system, as I mentioned, is 12.47. Um, in town is underground, outside is rural. Uh, the rural system is overhead, I should say. Um, that's the general configuration there of the existing system. Um, looking a little bit here at load growth, so over the last 10 years, your guys' peak or, or rough peak has been in the, the five and a half. KW range as of 2020. You'll see there is a little spike there in uh, 2012, and that was Ragbri that summer. Scott uh, reminded us, reminded me that that was going on at the time. And it was super hot, and there was a whole bunch of people in town, and, and people stayed here uh, overnight for that. And so, which is kind of fun to look back on. Um, so, what we what we looked at here is. Uh, Ba you know, based on your guys' you know, fairly modest increases up to date, uh, what we needed to look at was the amount of immediate load that we're expecting from uh, Evapco and the expansion there for their facility. They're, they're installing a new facility and uh, we had some detailed discussions about the type of load uh, capacity they'd be requiring there and the demand um, that they would require and basically you're going to be adding what is what we believe to be about 1.7 kW in the next couple of years so and, and as much as about well, let's see there that map doesn't really help us much right now but um, it's all part of the study and the council will have a copy of that study uh, forthcoming here after we have this meeting but um, we basically applied about 500 kW to the overall system in general, just general load growth as we looked at the next 10 years. Uh, but the key, the key item is uh, yeah, Evapco up in the top right where you have a little bubble up there if you guys, it's probably hard to see, it's hard for me to see. Um, 
And then a couple other areas where we, we, what we do is we model the system with our software. We put point loads uh, around the system to model peak uh, scenarios and see what the see what the voltage drop and the, what the capacity looks like uh, at various equipment on the system. So the underground cable and the uh, you know the, the elbows, 200 amp rated elbows, just the various electrical distribution equipment around. The, the city there. So what all that equates to basically with Evapco, um, Jacobson Seeds had, had a little bit of load growth there and uh, the school some upsizing of some, some transformers there and then there's uh, obviously the lake and some of the developments around the lake uh, we tried to account for what ended up being about 3.2 kW of growth in the next 10 years. So on a system of Five and a half peak going to 8.8 .8 peak in potentially in the next 10 years, which actually seems more realistic uh, as the days go by here, visiting Scott and, and their team about the different residential uh, developments popping up. So really exciting. Um, what we do here is we, we take a look at those projected loads and uh, apply this design criteria that uh, is, is pretty much standard for municipal electric distribution systems. Um, we want to look at uh, what we call N-1 contingency or the reliability of the system if you lose any one piece of equipment. You should be able to back feed with that one piece of equipment on and be able to handle the peak load uh, of the city. So that's Criterion one, um, we want to maintain high level of uh, high quality voltage throughout the system under that situation. Class A voltage, um, as ANSI would uh, have that defined. And do not exceed, obviously, any of the thermal uh, limitations, the heat energy limitations of the equipment on the system at all. Because uh, when that happens, Usually, a piece of equipment fails in those circumstances. And then, uh, criterion four and five basically, we need to design a system that's flexible so you can take on new loads without having to do capital infrastructure improvements every single time. So, you want to build in headroom on the system capacity so you can uh, take on new load and continue to grow consistently and effectively in the future. So. That's our design criteria. Um, it includes load flow modeling, like I mentioned, voltage and capacity analysis. Uh, we've re reviewed the overall uh, equipment age and condition, which basically look at when the stuff was installed. Has it been maintained? Have, have there been any uh, wear and tear, any damage that's that's uh, visible? So that's pretty basic. And then just visiting with the personnel in the operation side of it is the are there any issues in the system today? So try to resolve those items and boil it down into a report and uh, identify a number of deficiencies that we see that you could solve with capital improvement projects in, in the next 10 years. So uh, we'll run through the deficiencies that we identified. Um, so under existing peak load conditions. So the historical peaks that you guys have seen today, um, 
there are just some minor capacity violations when you have to back feed certain feeders. And this is basically the result of having just, just some equipment needs to be upsized a little bit. Uh, we have some 200 amp elbows on mainline circuits <coughs> on the system. So got just some kind of weedy details there you probably don't care about. But under the existing peak uh, load conditions you've seen, you, your system is in pretty good shape there. When we apply the projected peak loads over the next 10 years, that's where we start to see issues with our uh, analysis. And primarily we see because of the one plus you know, megawatt expansion in the next, expected the next one or two years certainly by Evapco, uh, we run into the <coughs> power transformer in the substation becomes overloaded if you lose one of them and you have to feed your guys' projected peak load. So basically what that means is if one of the transformers is down today, which um, I think I mentioned, but in the substation, that whole sub was built in 1977. It was built very well. It had a lot of headroom in the capacity of the transformers. Um, it was quality materials, and, and it was good stuff in the 70s. Um, what happens is, is, as it gets older, the odds of that something happening to that transformer that, and requiring work increases. So the odds that you lose one of the transformers increases as the years go by. Well, if you lose one of those transformers and you happen to do it in the summertime and you hit a peak, you'd be overloading the other transformer. You wouldn't be able to pick up the rest of the town effectively without overloading that, that remaining unit. So that to me is one of the larger issues there as you see this load come on from Evapco from some of these uh, lake area developments. Um, and then there are some of those capacity and voltage issues on those minor issues I mentioned with the existing peak. When you apply the projected peak, those increase in quantity and severity when you have to backfeed certain uh, feeder circuits. So the switchgear in the substation is also in 1977, I believe, or 76, 78, somewhere in there. Um, one of those breakers goes down, you're trying to backfeed what that feeder was feeding through the distribution system. And you can do that fairly well under existing peaks, but when you add that 1 to 3 meg in the next 10 years, you find difficulties in doing that on the distribution system with some of the uh, 200 amp elbows. Uh, lack of backfeed ties for the evap future Evapco circuit. Um, if you go to bullet three, uh, there's some circuits with older underground cable that has open, open concentric neutrals on it where they didn't jacket the cable. Uh, that was a big thing in like the 80s, I think, um, where that was going in the ground. Well, those concentric neutrals, they erode away, so you have an ungrounded uh, feeder circuit. So those fail fairly regularly until they're just replaced. So a number of, of various clients in the municipal world that have been replacing that, like Lakeview has, it's been part of their practice to replace those old cables as they, as they budget for it and as they get to it. So that, that, that still exists on a couple of the distribution circuits. So we recommend you know replacing those over the next 10 years, obviously. Um, but I mentioned briefly the 12.47 kV metal clad switchgear aisle is uh, 45 years old. Um, 
some of the things that, that aren't mentioned on this slide are the, the controls, the protection controls that <coughs> the heater circuits have uh, are fairly old. They're electromechanical style relays. Um, they actually require frequent testing if you want them to be 100% accurate um, long term. So long story short, some of those uh, controls and some of those uh, overcurrent devices are a bit antiquated at this time. So uh, today, highly recommended to move to electronic relays. They add functionality in terms of uh, monitoring and protecting the circuits. Um, various settings levels that can be, be implemented. And there are things that are a little bit safer about it as well um, that come with a, a more modern uh, switch gear. So that's one of the items. Um, the power transformers, again, this is part of just that style of system that was built in the 70s. They're, they're protected with overhead fuses, uh, 69kV um, power fuses. And the fuse technology is just not, you know, it, it was the historical way to protect electric equipment, you know, pre 1990s when electronic relaying became prevalent and has since uh, kind of been the, the go-to, I guess, for any new installations. So the fuses, they're, uh, they're single phase. They're single phase. And uh, so they don't have a fast, instantaneous three-phase trip. So in a new system, um, to protect the transformer, which is a very expensive piece of equipment, probably the most expensive piece of uh, electrical equipment on the system by far. Um, to protect that the best, you need to interrupt any arcs, any, any faults, any issues immediately. And that's done with you know, fast relays that have CTs connected to the high and low side of the transformer. And they can detect any current, uh, current abnormalities that are seen on the system. So for for, uh, to avoid getting into details you guys don't care about, I'm just going to keep pushing ahead there. But are there any questions on that at this time? Um, is, is any of that making sense, or do we need to do we need to uh, describe that a little bit better here? Sorry, I, I'm not skipping ahead. I'm just I bumped something on this mouse. Ventures so. in presentation. So I think I covered most of it. Okay, so I should touch the brief on, um, briefly touch on. So the two 69 kV lines feeding the substation, they come to a, a single pole. So they, they come to a single pole and then they tap into the substation. And so if you were to do any improvements there at the substation, you would break that off so each could um, each could be connected to the sub and to where you wouldn't have to call. Do you guys have to call MEC to switch those lines? Yes. Yeah. So what you would do is bring both of the lines into a modified substation configuration where you would have control over the switches and you would be able to energize the sub by either one of those uh, transmission lines. So the lines would be fed hot, switched, closed in on, on MEC switches and then if something were to happen to one of those T lines, which which recently did, and, and it does, it's just the nature of the weather in our part of the world. 
Um, you know, Jeff would be able to go in there, open this breaker, throw that breaker in, and you're back online and you don't need that MEC operations dispatch uh, that seems like eternity when you have some sort of, you know, a weather event happening. So that'd be something fairly, you know, minor that you would fix if you're doing a substation project here. Um, I just threw in some pictures of the substation if you guys weren't familiar with it. You know, these things kind of go unnoticed until uh, somebody tells you you should probably spend some money on them. So that right there is the, the metal clad switchgear aisle. And you're looking at the back side of that uh, uh, switchgear. So you walk in the left, the door to the left there, if you walk in, there's an aisle there. That's called the, the switchgear aisle, if you will. And then to the right, you have this lineup of relays and, and breakers. And that's what that looks like when you just walk right into that door. So those, those black boxes are the electromechanical relays. They have overcurrent protection for the feeders. Um, but all that stuff was built in the 70s, and it was the right way to do things at that time. So you see, I guess, that little blue box in the, the bottom to the right side there, that's that's WAPA, your guys' transmission, your, your bulk supplier. They went to the little blue boxes, the electronic relays for the metering and everything, probably a number of years ago. But that's similar to what the relay would look like in a, in a newer lineup. And I guess one thing to note is these these breakers are from top to bottom. They, the air breakers are large and they require the instrumentation is in the top, and the breakers are in the bottom, and they're quite large. So today, the industry has moved to a vacuum breaker. It has a much smaller footprint, uh, and it's, it's just the modern technology for how those operate. So that's kind of a step back shot there of the overhead line terminals coming in from the MEC lines. Um, the transformers, you can see one of them there. The other one's kind of hidden in the back. But uh, the line drops down. Uh, is fed into the transformer, which then steps it down to 12.5 and goes underground into the switchgear to feed the switchgear lineup. And then, which the switchgear then is how the power is distributed to uh, the feeders across the town. Because that's what you're saying, we have two of them now, we need, and if one goes down, the system could be overloaded on just one. Right, yeah. Particular, like right now, you're fine today. Um, because you have, you know, a total system of 5.5. Um, each of those is rated for 7. So it's just when you add that, once you get to 7 MVA plus on the system, that's when those transformers can't carry it. So at that point, you know, you'd be monitoring it. And you'd hope that things don't line up and it doesn't coincide at the same peak. And, you know, but you could have issues there. In the near future, if EVAPCO really takes off, with, what the, with the stuff that they're doing there. <clears throat> so, to the improvements, um, phase one, we basically have distribution improvements included that accommodate EVAPCO's <coughs> expansion from the east side of town. Currently, they're fed on the east rural circuit, which is an overhead circuit that heads east of town and feeds all the rural <coughs> stuff outside. Um, basically, um, we recommend a new underground circuit to Evapco. 
running along the highway there if possible. That would tie into your other circuits as well. So where uh, Evapco would have mostly a dedicated circuit. So it flips out on the rural system. Uh, reclosers are out on the system to interrupt any uh, temporary faults. Uh, squirrels, tree branches, whatever. Wind when the lines flop together. Oh, reclosers disrupt the circuit and clear the clear the circuit and then it recloses in because it's a temporary fall. Well, usually large industrial loads don't like that little flicker or that interruption. It's kind of a side note, but basically the Evapco circuit is what we'd probably end up calling it would primarily feed the Evapco uh, setup there. Keep them online. And then you tie that to your existing infrastructure to where you could backfeed that circuit. And also that circuit could be used to backfeed either of the, the East Rural or any of the other East City feeders. So that's one part of it. And then also just kind of putting a fork in that open concentric uh, cable that's still out on the system is when you do something like that. So phase one of the distri distribution phase one improvements we'd have pegged for the 2023-2024 time frame, but actually those dates are just their suggestions based on your guys' loading. And it's obviously based on, as that load comes on, you'll be able to see what's really happening in that evapco uh, and see you know how pressing these improvements are. But from what evapco's told us and what you know, the data we have on some of their equipment, it seems like they're going to be pushing, you know, at least a meg and a half in the next short term. So, um, 1.4 million roughly for the, those distribution improvements in phase one. And then phase one substation improvements, uh, basically up, upgrading that substation to a modern setup and in, you know, the near term, I guess sometime before Evapco pushes you guys to that 7 megawatt level is preferable because then you can maintain that N-1 redundancy that we recommend. So um, 2023 to 2026 and uh, power transformers are about one and a half to two years out lead time wise. So something to keep in mind, it's, it's a challenging challenging piece of material to try to plan for right there. But that changes, you know, year to year that fluctuates. Sometimes it's two years, I've seen it at 40 weeks, you know, but just with all the weird material things going on, it's like, who knows why, you know. Um, so how long would it take to set up a phase one? How, you talking a year, six months? Yeah, so distribution, Improvements phase one would you could get that done in the summer pretty summer. easily. Okay. Yeah. Now there's a, a design and material procurement portion, but basically a year is what you would budget for that. Um, on the substation side of that, you know the transformers way out there. Some of those other items, the switch gear. You know, basically you're talking about upgrading the transformer size, adding a new circuit. Another thing I should note is that existing switchgear lineup, it has five feeder bays. We recommend adding a sixth feeder bay for EVAPCO because today you have five, 
that Evapco feeder would be best served to come out of the switch gear on a separate feeder. So, um, that being said, I mean, you know, obviously the financial side of this drives what you guys can do, uh, what you can work out, but it's based on the activity we're seeing in your guys' city here. Um, it, it'd be a, a good bet on the future to add another circuit there in the substation. So effectively what we're doing is we're, we're increasing one of the power transformer sizes with a new transformer, a new switchgear lineup, and then the site work and steel and stuff that goes along with that to that new more modern substation. Um, you know, one of the, you, you, you look at options here, but to me, I think it's, what's nice is, is that you have that water treatment plant, that uh, old water treatment plant there. Um, you can do this without having to take outages on your system, so that's helpful. I guess you have that property to the north that you could look at utilizing. Um, and maybe you keep the stuff online just because it has value. Um, I do know that salvage value of transformers is pretty good now, too. So there's all kinds of details someone can look at once you get into the, the design phase of that. But So the substation portion of phase one is around 3.5 million. And these are numbers figured based on you know, fourth quarter 2021. And there's contingencies in there. You don't know what inflation is going to do. You don't know what some of these... these uh, these commodity materials are, are all over the board. Steel went up 100% last year. So that's just, now they can come down 50%. You know, they tell us that, like, you know, cold rolled steel and stuff, it could come down, but I doubt they're going to slash prices anytime soon. So all in all, phase one, around 4.9 million in the first six years over the next six years, I should say. Phase two, basically phase two equates to um, rounding out the upgrades of the new, the new substation. So you would go to having dual transformers with top end ratings that will allow you to back feed and if you lose one of the transformers or you have maintenance, you can easily carry the system load with the other transformer. You know, you, what we've been doing is bidding multiple uh, ratings so you can see what that next level of, of capacity, you know, costs. You know, there's things like that to be creative about how you bid those things out. But, um, yeah, so phase two are basically just substation improvements at that point. Um, and that's around, go away. There we go, 2.1 million. Roughly. So, um, those are the improvements. Any questions on that? I have some diagrams here that aren't very valuable unless you're closer. You guys are closer to me, but this here is an outline of your system, uh, a one line of your system. So, the grayed out area to the bottom, that's the existing system with the two transformers, the five bay switch gear. And then in the future, what we would do is look at building that north. North of the existing site, you would build that new lineup, bring the new transmission line in, install the switchgear lineup, and then tie it back into the distribution system. <coughs> so that's, schematically, that's what that looks like. 
and then the system map also shows where that evapco circuit would be. It's in the north edge of town there. It's kind of that pink bold line work at the top going east out of the substation and along the highway there. Um, this is the first page of that of that improvement. And right there it runs it out to uh, by that by the rock. Uh, screen right there, it shows uh, the loop feed, feeding the APCO. So, in summary, about $7 million over the next 10 years is what we put together there. Hopefully with some headroom, with some contingency in there, we should be able to easily get that done. Um, but, you know, time is of essence as far as that, that price is Basically, not going to last terribly long at this rate. But so anyway, that's where we're at. Um, that's the study. Uh, like I said, the study will be finalized here, and we'll have bound booklets with tabs so you can look at the illustrations better. Um, the analysis results are in tabulated form in the back appendix. You can you know look at the voltage drop calculations and what goes into that. Um, a lot of exciting stuff going on, I guess, in the electrical side of things. Um, good growth that's not consistent among all small towns right now. I mean, uh, this town's got some things going for it as far as the lake, and, and it's pretty cool. So, evaporating um, <coughs> driving quite a bit of this increased capacity requirement. So, <coughs> so they're, they're serious business. And, but any questions about anything I just covered there? I think the word wow comes to mind. Yeah. Seven million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. No raise for the council. Again? That's it. Well, I mean, it, you could probably fit it in there. Jared, when did we start working on this? What, was it March last year or April last year? This study? Yeah. I think it was this summer. May, May time frame, May, June, we started looking at it. So, I mean, this is something we just started doing. I mean, we've been working on this for months. Yeah, it took probably from about May to May to July we wanted to. Uh, we had some answers we needed to get on the system just to handle what was coming to town right away. So we had to do some transformer sizing, some things, working with Evapco back and forth, talking about, you know, their generation that they might install there. Um, so it was really, you know, kind of involved there for the first three, four months, and then took another month or so to put together costs, and then, uh, so yeah, we've kind of had this done for, you know, maybe a month, maybe, give staff time to review it, and met with them a few times, but, uh, yeah, so that's the long and short of it, I guess. Any questions? Is there like a dollar amount that would... We can look at it just to make sure that the evapco stay the way we want them to stay, or um, we got to do that line. Obviously, is what you're telling us a dedicated line. Yeah. So I mean, there's um, so that dedicated feeder is how I would design it up. So um, once they get to the one megawatt threshold, that kind of puts you guys over the top. Uh, one and a half megs, roughly, um, gets you to that 7 MVA 
um, it becomes difficult to backfeed them at all without an additional circuit that's tied in at those locations. <coughs> you can't. It's hard to. It's hard to backfeed that location because they're on that rural circuit today. They're on a radial overhead line on the northeast edge of town. So it's like there's not a good way to loop them. There's just nothing there that you could build some underground circuitry, but because of the way that that system's oriented there, you're on smaller radial conductor anyways. You want a main line running most of the way out there for voltage concerns. So, so, so if we ran a main line out there, VAPCO has a further expansion, would that main line be able to handle it if there's, say we double it, just, you know what I'm saying? No. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all the expansions they've told us about, you would be able to handle that with a. You'd run a four aught cable out there. Um, before we did purchase the cable, we would see, hey, what's your updated forecast? Like you guys are growing here. What's the next five, ten years? And then you would do it so they're they're fully sized. You know, the incrementing cable size from four aught to three fifty, cost wise. Not probably not huge when you think about just doing it once for the next twenty years or whatever, however long they're going to be in business. So, but yeah, that that's how you lay that out is for future growth. Probably probably double what they're projecting right now is what you probably want to hear for, just because they've been fairly consistent. Scott has mentioned around every five years or so they're they're growing that business, so it's not it's not like it's dying away or anything like that. So, how far north do we go for the overhead line? About a mile, uh, just short of two miles. Really, really the RAC. <coughs> There's a break for about half a mile. Yeah. Norm Phillips, the winery, the DN. Okay, <coughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I saw you were down at the campground today. Did you do some line checking down there? We were stomping around a little bit. We were yeah. we got here at 2 today, so we went really around and looked at some things. Yeah. So Scott has asked us to do a little assessment on the campground. Okay. We don't know any of that information. What we do know is on the whole, okay, so Camp Crescent isn't going to... The primary distribution system, so 12.5 on up, that's not the concern for... Well, he's going to have us look at the secondaries, so once we get past that, you know, that first transformer that steps it down and all the secondaries running around that campground, that's what Scott has asked us to take a look at. Yeah, so we don't know any of that information. Yes, yeah, so no, we can no. Took some pictures, made some notes, and we're going we're gonna to model that secondary portion of the system more in depth than we do the other areas and see what's going on there. Basically make sure that the upgrades we're planning already are going to be fine and adequate. That's what we got the reason that. Yep. So do we know how soon that information will be back to us? Well, Scott just asked for soon. Matter of weeks. So soon as as soon as we get to it, um, we should be. I'll talk to my designers to see how long it takes. I'd expect them to do something in the next couple months. The latest. Okay. There's a lot of stuff going out there. So. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I'm asking is because we're trying to figure out budget and upgrading some of the sites. We want to make sure the main wire going in the feed connect can handle it before we get too far down the road. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We'll, we'll, 
make sure to at least check the basics there for the upgrades they're planning to do. So yeah, we'll make we'll I'll express the need to get it done sooner than later before you guys before you guys get going on. So kinda like with the system study, we we just crammed out the initial findings like, okay, yeah, Evapco, go ahead and build. Because there were concerns about that initially that Scott had that we might not be able to feed this and, and Jeff and those guys. So so down at our current substation, where we've got the two seven KB transformers. Yeah, MVA, yes. Whatever, whatever <laughs> the are. And you're saying if one of them would go down, one is still going to handle everything today, depending on how much Evapco brings on, correct? Yes. And we can't really know that until they're up and running, correct? Well, we have a good idea. Okay. They say that it's, they say to, we talked them down to a 2MVA transformer out there, right? Was that what we talked them down to? We took the two out and moved it over to the new building. That's what we're planning on doing, we haven't set it and they haven't got <coughs> up and running because obviously the building's not up rectified yeah. yet. But then we, we put that 750 in because they were, typically they were using 500 KVA of a 2000 KVA yeah. transformer. So we bumped them to a 750 there to pick up because they were adding some more pieces of equipment. So we added that this fall. So then we kept the 2000 KVA and we're going to move it over for their big testing unit building that they're, they're going to. So that, that's the megs that we're talking about. It has capability of picking up. So is that, that phase where you're talking about, apparently you're talking about building a new substation in that second phase to, to the ground next to our water treatment? Phase one starts that. Phase one starts the upgrade of the entire substation. Phase two finishes it off. Okay, so if I'm understanding it right, we've got two seven down there now. And it can't be like we can put in one nine, or I don't know if they make a nine, but can't put You're in a, a ten, ten, ten and a half. A ten, so we can't or put one ten and a half in <clears throat> now, and then years down the road put in a different ten and a half to kind of spread this out. You're not. So what you could do is then I've been thinking about, okay, how can we make this more palatable? Um, as opposed to doing phase two, say if you just did phase one, you could keep your existing stuff online and just tie it in. And so you could be using the, the two older transformers, just keep them, keep them humming. You know, you could divvy up some of the switch gear onto the new switch gear, right? The Evapco circuit, right? So you wouldn't have to do this phase two in the last part of this 10 years. You could you could keep the 45-year-old units, get them, keep them tested, make sure everything's still working properly, and they have, they've we've tested these things recently, I believe, um, I saw those, but you could keep it intact until you guys were able to afford it or budget it. So that's one way I would, could potentially look at it is, phase one is more kind of the key here. <laughs> but like, let's, let's really think hard about doing this because that's some immediate concerns as Evapco comes online. All right, and then while you're talking about that, I just want to be clear because I've looked at that thing that Scott sent us and I'm seeing this on one of your slides. It says, replace existing bare cable on West City and Hallett circuits. Is that Hallett circuit, that three-phase that goes out there that they don't use no more? 
it's yeah. we are using yes. in town. We are using that in town. But so there is the house load went away, but you guys are now using that. The so house load we don't have, but the ConAgra load used to be on the rural load. Okay. We we moved Switched it down. Over. Okay. Yeah, we did that a few years ago. And this is stuff that is this stuff. Not, this isn't underground. Then we're still on poles out there, right? That Hallett circuit's totally underground. And the other ones on the, the poles. The rural, the west rural is overhead. Well, that's a good point because when that Hallett's was the big thing in the last study years ago, I remember I was reading through the old reports and Hallett's was like, it was like the Evapco, right? It was like, hey, you're doing this. Well, they kind of went away because it's the nature of that business. I guess it was a gravel pit. Well, and they had electric drag line back then, so then now they, they typically are all diesel fuel run, so okay. that's what happened. That's what happened, okay. Yeah, but they've since utilized that circuit to help backfeed, and it really kind of makes it easier to, to move across the system if you need to. So, good question. Any more? And that is the only line that we got to finish it, isn't it? Is this line going south? Yeah, when, when you look at that, at that map, yeah, from the viaduct bio, so to the edge of town. That was it. Just yeah. to the edge of town? Yeah, it's, it's your, west, it's your west, west city line and your Hallett line from viaduct, well, substation out to yeah. the edge of town, and then the west rural line out of the substation to right there by Bob Blessington's where it goes up a riser pole. Which feeds your rural line, and that's projected. Oh, plus the new evacuated mainline circuit. All right, thank you. Well, guys, thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate thank it. You. Thanks, thank you. Appreciate working with a city like you. Yeah. Okay, we want to talk a little bit about the budget. Anybody has any additional questions or details? Just get a hold of Scott and I can we'll get you an answer. Right. Do what you need. So are we still talking about doing the 50 amp on the lakefront? Do we have because that uh, the upsizing of those of those lakeshore lots, it, it was not a a, uh, a real large capital project for us here. It was basically buying the new boxes and using the existing um, cable that's in there, which which would be of the appropriate size. We just wanted to make sure that we didn't run into any problems when we would upsize that. So we're waiting for them, DGR, to give us that information. Yeah, that it would yeah we're just kind of looking at a load part of that. I want to walk through a, a few things um, in regards to the to the budget. 
and there are, you know, of course, when we when we get to the end, you'll you see that there's still some some funds that uh, uh, are proposing a, a negative uh, expenses over revenues for the year. So just the the changes that are in here, page uh, started on page 20, as far as as the wages, all the wages then were were changed to show that three percent uh, wage increase. So. Basically, all full-time uh, wages are are supposed uh, to to go up three percent for budget, and we went through the the information then on uh, on the parks. Questions on wages. Um, next page then on, on twenty two and twenty three. This starts to talk more about then the uh, the year one of the capital improvements plan. And again, if, if it's uh, listed in this capital improvements plan, it would be be uh, listed in your one of the uh, of the budget. So just some <coughs> things of note, like in the in the electric, all of those subdivisions, the landing, outlot twenty, Lakewood, Hanky, Shaven. That is that shows. Uh, That shows cost then for for the uh, replacement on that, um, and then. No, when you're talking about that putting that electric in there, Scott, as we talked last time, what figures are we using for our costs? Those are the same numbers that have been in this capital right. improvements plan, so they're different than what we would have for the. Uh, but it's different than our actual cost then, because yeah. cable was two bucks in your figures, and it's actually three eighty now. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I did not. So it's, these are not a lot, a lot of that stuff. No. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, you know, that's that's. When we're trying to do budget. How do we budget for something when we know these figures aren't accurate? I mean, we already know these figures aren't accurate. You use two dollars a foot, and it's three eight. True. Okay. So, how do we go through and say, well, this is what we're going to budget, and I, I don't care which one. This thing, outlaw twenty, for example, we got budgeted twenty six thousand. It's going to cost us thirty five thousand. So now that's way over what we budgeted. So how do we, we get? How do we get updated real numbers? So would would we uh, add like twenty five percent? That's not enough. Not that it's two dollars a foot when he was figuring it, and now it's three eight. And the transfer was two thousand dollars, and now they're thirty seven fifty. Because if we go through and approve this budget, and I don't care what what project we're talking about, when we go to do it, it's going to cost us twice as much, and now we're short. These, these numbers are understated. Correct. That's, That's why point. They won't be any good until July first when we start anyway. So whatever we project is going to be wrong. Well, I guess, but you still need to have. We yeah. got, we got have a, a lot closer projection. Yeah. Than we're, we're way off. off. I mean, it's real. And the DGR guy was just here talking about how stuff is skyrocketing. Steel went up a hundred percent last year. I, I, I just feel very uncomfortable trying to approve a budget with numbers we know that are not accurate. And I've asked this a couple times now. Now, guys, I, I got a question. Why was that Northwest Water Loop taken out? You know, that four hundred seventy some thousand dollars. Yeah, right. That was the discussion at the last 
council meeting about well, we we about talked about it but why was it i mean it's still under discussion so why is it taken out because we we the the study says that we got after that shows that it's you know it's not it's not a pressure issue it's a volume issue this D and K, right? Yeah. So sure. you know, we, we still we still got an issue. Are we just not going to fix it? That that you had made the, the decision about first project being that loop feed project up there. Yeah. But and we, and we did talk about doing the loop feed first. <laughs> and but okay, and I don't know if we really want to jump around, but since Mike brought it up, that highway loop feed, highway. Whatever we're calling Jacobson Highway, mm -hmm. pass there, and then the loop feed around the school and stuff. We have budget for 149, putting that water study program thing that we got from D and K. D and K. It's like 200 some thousand dollars for just the, it's just the one section, the one section of it. Well, which I thought I added right around 120 Dale and added some cost for the uh, for the connection there at Jacobson. Okay, but in here, in our budget, it's just telling us right here, loop feed around the school and the highway. Highway, school, water main loop. Yep. And that's that loop that goes by, you said back, passed by Bill Riley, right? Yeah. And then if we look at, if I look at the VK thing, unless I'm looking at something incorrectly, which I could be, Northwest Highway 175 Water Main, West Water Main Loop. Them two things total $362,000. Yeah, it doesn't propose to to do the part there in front of the old Shabbat's restaurant. That, that's basically from... So we're not doing that part now? Yeah, no, this... There's an existing four-inch line that that runs good four-inch line that runs all the way over to Denny's house, basically, mm -hmm. right? Right. So where's the two-inch one that we're replacing? Is the stub short stubbed from from Jackson Street and basically stubs backwards to the to the restaurant to the it's uh, just the restaurant. It's, it's just the restaurant. Just the restaurant. The, the hotel. It's four-inch across the highway. Mm -hmm. So we've dug it up. So four-inch goes from. Place Jackson Corner, Jackson Street Corner. Is that the car old car wash corner? The school no, corner. The school, the school corner. Comes straight across to Jacobson's. And then it elbows and goes down to Denny's house. Okay, so it goes north across the road. Mm -hmm. And then west. And then west. And then this the, the little two inch east line that goes over to Phase is the little piece that needs addressed. And that's and so it's being fed on from Jackson Street, and then it goes north. Yeah, Jackson or Ninth. I don't. There's there's a valve there, and I'm not 100 percent sure. Which is that a four coming. inch that's coming across there then? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then it goes east with a two inch down to the motel and Levi Tees's. It used to go all the way to Levi's, but back when Crowell uh, um, bought it, George had um, Schmitz bore the highway and. He ran his own service from one village to the other. He ran it across the highway and put a shutoff on on that main. So then, uh, so the highway 175 main wire is not this 245 like in this study. True. The uh, it's just that portion you know, that <coughs> from 
from Jacobson's on off, uh, not even from Jacobson's off to the west, but basically from Denny's house on around. Not a but Denny's house not around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only proposed work. Other than the fixing fixing up that two inch there and man making a new connection there basically in the parking lot of Jacobson. <coughs> so they just did this in June of twenty one. <coughs> Yes. So what were, how come they were proposing so much more? They gave different options. Boy, they, you, well, you, yeah, you've seen it, that they, they gave substantial options about ways to fix that, what amounts to a problem about a four-inch line running in front of school. That's, that's, when you get to the bigger projects, that's what it's fixing. Okay. So we need to get some updated figures on this one. We can rework. Yeah, that's certainly good. Mm -hmm. all 800 feet of that. Yeah, it, the project is a lot bigger than, than what it got scaled down to. Yeah, it's actually, when you look at that map, and it, it'll show a two-inch main I see that. all the way across that highway, and that's just not true. <coughs> and mean, they, they had dug it up in several different spots and, yes. and connected. <coughs> well, we, when we dug it up for uh, Jacobson Seed's new building and tapped that, yeah, we confirmed that it was four, four inches there. When we went down to Tyson Beckman's, yep, and dug it up and, and tapped that, confirmed it again that it was four, four inch. inch. And, but our maps say it's two, two inch. inch. And then this here doesn't even show that line going across for Levi's building. Nope, that's private lines. So that project now is just this here portion of the For the most part, yeah. Up there in, in Jacobson's parking lot, there's uh, new connections up there, right? And does some stuff with two inch on this one. So we're going to put eight. Is that going to be eight or six inch then? Six. So that's what we talked about that last meeting, seeing if that was going to make a difference in our water volume up in that northwest part of town. Right. Right. And then. But if it does, but if the volume doesn't fix it, what are we going to do? We're just going to can the rest of the deal. I mean, you took four hundred and what four hundred seventy thousand out of the budget. Twenty-five years. And just, I mean, the the options are certainly still out there, Mike. As far as. You can look at the pressure system, and, and Dale's talked some about uh, water storage up there. You know, whether we can look, have yeah, some other options. I did ask out of curiosity, I said, what would a small water tower cost to put up on that part of town? 
because that's where the water tower used to be, yep. or a water storage facility. Because when you're spending five hundred thousand dollars, we don't know if it's actually going to fix anything. But I, 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 I do agree. We've got to move forward with at least part of that loop. So, I hate, to, I hate to say this, but, you know, how hard is it to get us some updated current figures for this stuff? I can mm -hmm. certainly make it happen. And then I got a, a silly question, but, you know, like we got the basket truck set aside um, in there at 40 and some other stuff like that. Is there a way that, like the wastewater treatment plant demolition set aside, is that something that we can not put in our budget, but maybe have it in the general fund if some of these other projects don't go through? Does that make it sense that way instead of it's, having it in a certain department? Just use it. Huh? You mean just have it in the budget, but then if we have to use it for some of these other projects, yes. we'll just go ahead and move that money over. It, it certainly can happen that way, yeah. We, at the end of the, the end of the fiscal year, we will we'll make some additional transfers. And, uh... We did that one time. We took money from the tree, or oh, ash tree. And the ash tree, we used that for the, what was it for? The grasshopper, wasn't it for? Yeah, I don't even recall, but yeah. Herbicide, so, that thing, yeah. something like that. We switched before. Yeah. Because I know, I mean, I'm just saying that we've got we've got to trim our budget down somewhere, right? The way it looks, because we're in a negative. If I'm looking at this sheet, right, whatever page that is, page 29. Yep, that is a good one to take a look at. Let's take a look at page 29. We've, we've got to trim some stuff out of there, and I'm looking at that set-aside stuff to start with, with all this other stuff going on. Because we know we got to do Outlot 20, right? We're already, we've got to do that. We've got, we've, you know, we committed to that, we've got a thing in place. We've got um, uh, stuff on hand to finish the landing if it's not done. Um, and then we've got, there's another thing that we couldn't, We've already finished. Oh, Shavens down there. He's going to need that done. Um, that overhead line south of Provost. Is that something that needs to be done, or is that just something we think should be done? It's something that needs to be done, but it, it, it depends on how fast they want to develop that so, Hanky property. Okay. It's going to be your issue there. So if that property gets developed, that needs to be done or not right with it. If it doesn't get developed, you can push it off a year or two. Yes. Well, that loop water main, I see that's 149 in the negative, but aren't we using the art funds for that? Yeah. So it, it just didn't so, show any money coming in. Oh, okay. okay so the money would have been received. That, that will skew that model number yeah. that much. Yeah. Good. You know, I... 
I don't want you to be not, don't say be hung up about what that bottom bottom number looks like, but I do want to take a look more at the difference within each fund. And because there there are oftentimes there are projects that we have saved money for, and that and that's why it's why the end number is it looks to be so uh, uh, at seven sixteen in the ground uh, in the hole, but. You know, so just as, as we just talked through this by fund, with general fund being 139,000 in in the hole, that has at least 175,000 dollars going towards streets. I mean, so that the, again, these are things that, that we had um, were able to have have funds on hand to. Uh, what you say that streets? So we're at 50,000 towards streets, and it says 125 towards outlaw 20 on streets. Oh, yeah, so that's out of the general? Yes, that be transferred out of the general fund, yeah. So that's why that's down 139? Yep. Road use tax, and another one where we, we have these funds on hand, we're transferring that to the to the street capital fund, really looking for that, uh, doing that large street construction project. Again, so those funds are on hand. It's, it's a deficit in the fund, but uh, again, it's been planned for. And that's at Lake Street? That would propose north, north half of Lakeshore Drive. Um, and then an asphalt street project. This says 6th Street and 7th Street, but uh, not married to that. Just the uh, the idea about how much money we're dealing with for a project. Okay. Sales tax is, is 44000 to the to the good. We re, uh, have more revenue than expenses, but um, we'll continue to have that discussion about whether we can utilize those funds for, for other type of expenses or whether we would, would look at uh, offsetting part of the, the housing development costs with, with that. Okay, TIF, $344,000 in the hole. That is utilizing the funds for uh, um, the community center. So that it'll show an expense of 475000 in there, and that puts it 344 in the hole. But but then we also are using TIF for something else, right? Because we got total expenditure for 773. Yeah, the other the other main expense out of that is the phase two evaco water line yep. for the non-grant portion of non-grant. Yep. Yeah. Uh, hotel motel again. That's uh, right now. That's uh, revenues exceed expenses by five thousand dollars. Specialist uh, assessments, basically, and in and out, paying debt, <coughs> as is debt service, uh, in and out, paying debt there. And you see the capital projects. Okay, so looking at the expenditures, we have a two hundred forty-eight thousand um, dollar street project. That includes, I think, that includes twenty thousand dollars for uh, uh, redoing intakes. Okay. Okay, so again, that's uh, that shows a little deficit there, but that's money that we have saved in, in preparation of a of a project. Okay, uh, transferring funds uh, in for the street at Outlaw Twenty, and then expending that out. A little bit of planning funds; those are usually just contributions that end, that end up in our um, in our capital projects fund. Um, Council AV figuring three thousand dollars here again. That's uh, uh, funded. By ARPA money, COVID money. Okay, that community center shows uh, shows in and out. That's that would be grants and donations uh, to to fund the community center. So it's just the same amounts of 
of uh, revenues versus expenditures. Uh, EVAPCO phase two, that is um, the expenses on, on getting that, that water line out there. That is the grant amount was the four the 418 and then there was an additional expense from tip okay uh, fire bus again that's uh, that is uh, has an assumption there of receiving some some grant funds for uh, fire bus and then the uh, $125,000 uh, expense pickleball receiving uh, another $50,000 worth of worth of grant funds and expending $75,000 worth of grant funds there's 25,000 in the sales tax was, was where the I believe it was sales tax that we were uh, having that other $25,000 that the city committed. Because we got one grant for that already, correct? We received $25,000. Yeah. Yep. The city committed $25,000. Right. And then there's, Connie was just saying she has several grant applications that were ready to go and submitted one today. Um, generators, that would be City Hall and at the, uh, at the fire department. Okay, and then that, that water, the loop water main shows there, and that's that ARPA funding for the uh, for the uh, water main. Again, it shows as a, as a negative expense because the funds are on hand. <coughs> okay, fire hydrants, we talked about this at the uh, at the last meeting about wanting to increase the budget then for fire hydrant maintenance. What this does is adds another $10,000 to fire hydrant maintenance. That would be ARPA funds there too. To utilize uh, for fire hydrant. Uh, water tower, that's that's the amount of money we receive from the cell tower lease there and that goes to our water tower maintenance fund. Okay, uh, that thing called transfer to sewer, we have $110,000 that's just been basically as a savings uh, account for the for the lagoon project. Now we come to the end of that that just transfers that uh, saved $110,000 into the into the sewer um, the sewer fund. Okay, but then here's that uh, wastewater uh, treatment plant demo has $20,000 coming in, and that's that would just be saving money. That $20,000 is proposed to be $10,000 from lost and $10,000 from sewer. But as you will see, that the sewer is is in is in the hole. That may one be one thing we need to take a look at. Street sweeper, about uh, how we would start to save money for a street sweeper. General, it, back up a minute. Is this the first year where we are requesting money for the for the sewer plant? Sewer plant. We saved some money out of this current budget that we're in. This okay. this would be the first year. The budget would be the second year. All right. Um, general, where it says general, that's the general capital improvements. So that's buying uh, mainly lawnmowers and, uh, and police cars. So, uh, trying to save some money towards our towards our next police vehicle. Um, Public works again. That's that receives twenty thousand dollars from from water, twenty thousand from sewer. So that shows forty coming in. It's twenty from each of those, and really not much for expenses other than a fifteen hundred dollar cart for the. Uh, uh, Chop saw. Thirty thousand dollars transferred into an electric improvement fund, and this does put forty thousand into a basket fund, basket truck fund. So just as you look at the total capital projects, it runs that thousand dollars in the hole. But again, these are our projects that we have been uh, preparing for, and it has a lot to do with the streets. 
Water. Okay, now we get into some, and to where we consistently have expenses exceeding revenues, and this is this is a challenge for water. Tell you that the uh, uh, expenses exceed revenues by twenty-three thousand uh, dollars, twenty-three eight eight hundred there. Okay. Now, when you look at at the reasons why, the biggest reason deals with uh, a change in in salaries about how salaries were accounted for, and that Dean's salary comes out of water now, and it uh, we had one and a half persons who were. Uh, um, laborers coming out of there before. It's $28,000 difference. And that uh, is with salaries, $28,000. Um, some other things that, that you can think about though. So we have some capital projects there. More fire hydrants, more uh, uh, working to replace some valves. It's $15,000. So that you can uh, could consider paying for that, say with sales tax money. Um, outlaw 20 water system comes out of that also and you could consider paying for that with sales tax money if you if you look at some options there um, on sewer you see that sewer runs twenty thousand dollars in the hole I tell you don't have have a whole lot of uh, reasons why other than the uh, the expenses will not be reoccurring in the future. Okay, one, so one of the things is that it sets aside ten thousand for the um, for the wastewater treatment plant demo. So ten thousand dollars is in there. Other things to consider: we pay crop damage yet on uh, to the farmers for that lagoon project. And that's nine thousand dollars is budgeted for that for this upcoming year. That's the final year that we pay crop damages. So that's not a recurring expense in subsequent years. And also. We budget the final payment to the lagoon. So I told you we were transferring $110,000, and then also we have our last little bit of SRF money that we could that we can draw. But it amounts to about $15,000 over that that we need to we'll pay in retainage costs. So again, so that $15,000 is a one-time payment that won't occur in the future. Uh, you look at the uh, electric. Utility then, where that runs $171,000 in, in the hole. The other thing in the council packet that I would call your attention to and, and uh, hope that you had looked at is that information on power supply and what's happening with our transmission cost for power supply. It continues to go up. And this past year had a, had a very significant increase in transmission. We do not anticipate that the transmission costs will continue to go up, but they'll stay at the same level. So our how come them do vary so much? I looked at that. Some years they're up 14, 15 percent, and then down 14, 15 percent. What's the reasoning for that? Can you answer that? So we have this regional transmission through MISO, and the any of the transmission owners are are eligible to put in their cost basically of, of the transmission, and and so long as they can. Uh, justify what those costs are. Things are going to change on on the transmission rate, and that was the explanation that our our consultant had given us is that Mid American had some significant improvements <coughs> in the transmission here in the past. They have to do with couple, the ratio. A couple of years. I don't. That I don't think's included. In there. I'm just curious. If 
Anybody give you that? Uh, this is so, something we talked about when I was at that meeting in Des Moines. salaries had increased $28,000, well, electric salaries decreased $37,000. And that just has to do with how, you know, we had budgeted for Bill's salary before, and that all came out of electric previously. So that ended up being a shift from, from electric to water. Basket truck um, is, is in there for $40,000 to set aside. And then we have those housing development costs. Adding those up in there, it, uh, it was around $116,000 that's there right now. So, you know, as we look at those housing development costs and explore options about issuing any debt to pay for those housing development costs. The other thing that I would at least tell you about, although it's there for a reason and you may not want to dip into it, is this thing called the Electric Improvement Fund. 
and we just think of that as our rainy day fund. What, what page is that on? And so that's the fund balances then on the next page, uh, 30. So um, we're there in, in that middle section, the electric improv, the electric improvement fund. You just think of that as our rainy day fund. We intentionally save money for a for the rainy day. And we've, we've had to utilize this before during storm damage, that type yeah. of stuff. But at the end of next year, we would have a balance in there of $546,000. I mean, it's uh, the funds are there and they'd be able to be used if, if you'd like to look at some project expenses. Did it cost us half a million when the power went out last time? Yeah. Better? Yeah. yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, twice. but but the other the other side of that is that those costs get to be so large so quickly that we end up looking at at having to issue debt when that happened anyway. Where do you see? Are you uh, are you there now on this page? Oh, electric right here. Projected ending balance point two twenty three right here. Yeah. Debt service fund. That's the five hundred forty six you're talking about. It's under the one called electric improv. Yeah. Fourth from the right. So I got it. Well, let me see what page is So page 34, these funds, okay. money market funds, checking, CDs, checking, PSF account, whatever that is. We've got a total of 3.8 million. Yes. How much of that money is set aside for these special projects or savings funds like you're talking about, like for streets and for... You can tell a lot of that from, from this sheet. And, and it just breaks it down by fund. All of your stuff's got that in the other days. When you, when you look at the highlighted lines, they're the projected ending balance at, at the end of, of this upcoming budget year. So they were all told, if I totaled all of them up, that would come to one of these figures? Yeah, you, you total uh, up the highlighted lines, and then look at the lower right-hand corner. The highlighted line is 2.726 million. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's it. That, that's the proposed ending budget, ending balance at the end of next year. And so what's this total balance of 3.8 right now then? That's, that's what's in there currently today? Yeah, that's just our, that's just reconciling at the end of January. That's, that's the money on hand. Because we got to go to July 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, I have a question. Are there any, um, is there any assistance, federal assistance for this electric project? There has to be something. Yeah, I say, Connie just, just texted me three different things while you were sitting there. She's worth she's worth her weight in gold, but I'll tell you. Yeah. We have the same check. We'd have to check it out. Yeah. You have to take advantage of that stuff. <clears throat> So just as, as we think about timeline on this, at the next council meeting on the 21st, we're going to have a public hearing about that maximum property tax rate. 
Okay, but at that same at that same meeting, we need to set a public hearing date about the uh, about the budget. So basically, by the next by the next uh, council meeting, we've been finalizing with the budget. We can come up with the uh, the different costs on uh, the updated costs on, on electric improvements. And what else would what else would you like to see? Well, I, I'd like to see us be in the red or the black a whole bunch, but it's not going to happen. But my question is, some of the is it ridiculous for us to not put in the certain like the electric budget, the set aside, or the parks budget? Stuff you know, some of that stuff that we're the sewer that twenty thousand to set aside. This why are we taking money out of our budget when we need the money to save it for something down the road when we need to spend it on something today? That's my question. Well, the trucks were a good, a good example of saving money. Well, that truck, I, I totally agree with that on this hand, yeah. but it's also dumb on this hand to go borrow twenty thousand dollars for me to put it in a savings account if we got to go borrow money to do these other projects. Because if the sweeper crapped out tomorrow, we'd, we'd draw money from here and here to buy a new So what, again, Just by having again, we're borrowing money to put in our own bank account. To save it for something we're going to move down the road. But to me, that doesn't make sense. Do you go borrow money at the bank to buy a car that you're not buying yet? We haven't done that yet. No, that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do here. If we're going to have to borrow money for these projects. See what I'm saying? So we got to trim something out of the budget, so we're not borrowing money. So what you're saying is trimming the things that we're saving for. Correct. And this, if because if all these development things go through, we don't know that they're going to, but we're trying to budget for them. If they don't go through, then we got it sitting there. We go back to it. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't think anybody here would go borrow money to put their own bank account to wait to buy a vehicle. And that's essentially what we're doing here. Yeah. You know, I guess the, the way that this would, would work is, you know, we make these transfers into the uh, into the savings account just at the end of the year. And if there's no money there, we wouldn't transfer. But I know it. We're putting it in the budget. In the budget. And so it's, and now we're, we're putting all this stuff in the budget, and we don't have enough money to do everything. We've got to borrow the money. And we've talked about it, like in the housing committee meeting, we talked about that. Well, what are we going to do if these development goes through? We're going to have to borrow money. And we, and we don't even have our actual cost on these projects. We're using the year goes numbers. Scary to me, because I see it every day, the cost of stuff skyrocketing. And you just heard the guy from DGR talk about the same thing. Sure. Yeah. And now we had a guy present us that we got seven million dollars we're gonna have to spend on electric over the next ten years. I shouldn't say have to, but proposed to. Sure. <coughs> John's old his chest like he's having a heart attack. I'm still recovering from seven million dollars in electric. It's gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> That's just my two cents worth. I'm one out of five. But as as you look at those things, and, and I know we've talked about that before, Dale, about about those funds that for this for the mainly the sewer plant um, demo and the uh, uh, 
basket truck. You know, those were the two things that got that got mentioned about football. Uh, yeah, because to be honest with you, I would like to see us take some of that money and do more Omni Beacon alarm notification setup and more manhole repair so we don't have bigger issues down the road. That's my two cents worth. That the Omni Beacon thing is gonna save us money in the future. Now, I know these guys over here probably don't want to hear that, but it takes their time away from driving around the lake every day, but they're they're stressed enough with all their work they gotta do. They can be pulling weeds. We got guys for that. We got guys for that. So but they're busy trimming trees right, right, right now. So, so then, as, as you look at uh, at this budget, you also know, we're of course work at the uh, uh, cost estimates on the electric side of things. Well, and, and I think you got to look at the water side of things too, Scott. I'm pretty sure that them cost it the same. Okay. I know what the price of hot plastic conduit is. How about you, Jeff? Does too. Just like you kept what we did that we paid for already, because but the company I got them from tried to buy it back from us. I don't believe it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because it's over double the price. Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily, because we still... Uh, I'm sorry, John, but I just don't want to rush through this, no. because, and I know it's been three or four long meetings, but it's just stuff that I think we need to talk about well, as a I'm council. I'm not saying you're wrong. We'll go back and adjust our numbers. So, which we will. Um, and we need to have that discussion, uh, additional discussion on the on the housing incentive. And where we're going to go in on that at where that might $20 be. a square yard or 30 now, But now um, we had a meeting Friday with um, Sac County Supervisor, and he is open to trying to work with us and all the other towns coming up with a committee program. Am I saying that the right way, Kenny? No. Like it. So, is what. what Jim Wister would like to do, he's going to talk to the two supervisors, is get a member from each city to sit on a committee and then come up with a program and work with the county to come up with a program and they were going to use ARPA, fund, ARPA money because it's, they can use it for non-budgeted stuff and they got like, I don't know, 900000 a couple times that they could use for this. So whatever night you guys are going to have lunch, I highly recommend you guys are all there. Is that Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. So. I won't be there. But they're going to add, he's going to talk to the other supervisor. They're going to ask about having a representative from each city. So then when Lakeview's got stuff going on and Wall Lake's got stuff going on and Auburn or Odebo, they can't say they're picking and choosing. Here's a program we have set up. Matching type funds is what he was talking about, saying so we can't just say, "What about here's thirty thousand for you or fifty thousand if you ain't got matching funds to go in there?" But that's what they were initially talking about in a roundtable discussion, and that's what he's going to talk about Thursday night more in depth, right? Yeah, can you bring up that uh, bring up that topic about uh, uh, yeah coming coming up with what would be a countywide plan to to assist 
those communities who are proceeding with some some housing stuff. And of course, not every community is is proceeding, but uh, there are some that are that are pretty aggressive on it. This could conceivably help us out a lot. Correct. I talked to Scott Blaine Sack, and he said they're looking at a couple different housing projects. And mm -hmm. You mentioned Sack, you mentioned Odeboat and Wally. Mm -hmm. And he said he tried to talk to somebody in Auburn, and it's like talking to the wind, and he thinks Auburn is sitting on a gold mine. <clears throat> but if they come up with a program, then one of the other towns can't come to them and say, well, you didn't bring it to us, you only went to them. Well, it's a program for all the communities in Sack County. So as we think about participating with housing development and then think about the budget, um, I know the, the ideal situation is to incorporate that in, into the budget at some point. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, it's not like you could fail to put it in the budget and, and then not do it. I mean, we could, we could do this later on. But uh, I, can foresee, I can foreseeably see us with the housing development thing borrowing some money for that because now we're going to be paying ourselves back with the potential income of taxes. But I hate to get stretched out so far that if these developments don't go through, these cost gets are so much. And I've been doing some driving around with the water in my hand and looking at some of these streets and 29 feet's not wide enough. In fact, I drove down, today I drove down to the, on Irwin Street, that's a 29-foot-wide street with parking on both sides. If you have a car on both sides, you ain't getting a rescue vehicle through there. And that's a concern, especially at the one with the cul-de-sac, or any that have a cul-de-sac. You have to have parking on one side of the road. Or fix it right before we do it. You can certainly approach one of the developers to do that. Right. Say, if, if, we, if you're going to take a look at different street specs in regards to the width or the uh, uh, base, having a base with it, you know, that type of stuff, that would just be done through the development. The other thing that's happened, you know, recently, you know, we do, right, wrong, or indifferent, there has been some more ground come up for sale and more locks are going to become available that weren't available to build on as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm assuming all you guys are aware of it, but Ryback at Lakewood out there are going to subdivide off. I think there's seven lots, five lots. And then on the north side of that, Lakewood Partners got that ground for sale for people to build. I mean, so there is some places already today with infrastructure in place. Thank goodness. Now, whether they get sold or not for their asking price or not is another thing. Ryback's, we have to do a little electric stuff, and I actually talked to Jared about something there, but it's fairly simple, I think, resolution to that. But it's still going to cost us a little something. Is there, and then I talked to them today, is there a water or sewer line running through that parking lot too? Well, I don't know. He was wondering about that. I don't know. Yeah, there's... That's one where there's sewer on the south side of, of the parking lot, so it's yeah, in Lakewood Drive. Yes. Um, north, north or south side of the street, not sure. 
but there, there's water that runs so, past there. So where their lots are projected to be built, we don't have any of the other <coughs> way. True. Okay. Rybex would be on the south side of the building now, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, did you see? The, that would be where I'd have a little more infrastructure of electric to build for that. But the other side, there's a there's a cabinet right out on North State Road that we would come off of to feed the front lots. Well, I got a picture here somewhere. I'll show you. That's got me. I did, thank you. That is wonderful. That's come, that soup supper is coming up in yep. two weeks. There you go. So, do you want to go through some of this again, Scott? I'm sorry, we jumped around on that budget stuff and what we think should maybe be. We know some stuff has to be reevaluated, but what everybody else's opinion is on some of the stuff that's in there that should stay or shouldn't stay. Yeah, I guess really I, I would uh, open that up to for for discussion on that. Usually, uh, I did not highlight uh, very many things on that. I highlighted the epoxy floor in the shelter lot. I did as well. Yeah. As being something that. Uh, uh, nice, but not but not additional. Well, it's on the electric right now. That would just affect the electric utility and and water. Then, thank you. Yeah. So this would be good to go then, for the most part. Yeah, we'd be doing we'd be doing pulling on an additional single phase line in and adding a transformer to feed that. What we do is we'll take out there's there's a three phase transformer running the lake the old Lakewood ballroom, and I was talking with Jared about taking that out, setting a three phase sectional cabinet there so we could pull off of that. And put a single phase transformer beside that to feed Lakewood, the Lakewood building. Okay. Or go to the end and try to feed them all off of one or you know, however. <coughs> Anything else? So, oh, sorry, Scott, go ahead. Again, I just throw this, uh, I guess, out there for, for council discussion on any items that, uh, that you'd like to have that discussion. Because we can we can walk through these line items if you like. Did you have that over there? I well, I highlighted the basket truck set aside, the epoxy floor in the shelter house, the wastewater demolition set aside. But then I also um, put in there I would like to increase it for that Omni Beacons thing and the manhole repair. I don't want to go through what SAC went through, and I think that Beacon thing is going to save us money down the road and start with the ones that are furthest away from town. That's what I did. Some of the stuff I don't think we can get away from. Um, I don't think we can get away from the highway school water main loop. I think we need to do that so we know where we're at with the pressure system. I don't think we can get away from in the streets that north half of Lakeshore Drive, um, the asphalt street project, wherever that may be at, 
uh, intake replacement. We've got some of them need to be done. Um, and there's some other ones here. Um, I think the utility trailer thing for the campground needs what, to be done. What was that cost on that beacon thing? Five thousand for two, so it's twenty five hundred a piece. Well, then you got. They had increased that. We talked that at the last meeting. Right, they, you they increased, increased just to eight of them eight at eight thousand. To eight, eight thousand. I don't know that that buys eight of them. So where's that? that? That's not on the sheet. That's under sewer. Under. Yeah. I have five thousand on my sheet. Well, he's got five thousand in one spot, and then he's got eight thousand in another. Yeah. Next. Pages of uh, twenty-seven. Oh, I'm gonna do five thousand. So when you when you look at these pages, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, those. Uh, Will eight of them do around the lake? The Omni beacons. How many you got going around the lake? So there's one. You're six. You're six to the outlet. Yeah. Six. Then the then the, the landing has one on it already, a different style. And then uh, over there by uh, jump by Jan Yeah. Eight, then the eighth one would do over there by the big Pepsi bottle. Yeah. Donnie Durr's. Donnie Durr's. Durr's. Yeah. That would be eight. Yeah. So, I mean, if we could get by with eight of them this year, you know, I, I'm looking at your time going around the lake, and yeah. it's going to save us money in the long run. In the long run. Or give them time to do a full weeds. <laughs> something else. I mean, they can dedicate their time to something else. That well, be, yeah. Yeah. Can, Commit to something else. I found where you got the So the, the numbers in the budget now will show eight thousand. That's on this page. Two more over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But is, what, what's the rest of you guys think about that? I, mean, I, I, I agree. Okay. I, I just didn't hear nothing. 8,000 would do how many? Three four. Mm -hmm. They're nailing them up. Mm -hmm. So if I go four, they mean six calls. Right. Yeah. 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 We would need eight to do eight. Oh, 16,000 to do it. Right. And so, so again, if we take the 20,000 from the demolition and put 10 of that towards that, 11 of it towards that, instead of saving money, right. we're saving money in a different way. Does that make sense to everybody else? I'm all for that. Where are they at for donations for this community center? They're right at uh, 181,000 on the uh, on the donations. Well, this TIF money we're 344,000 short. Is that something that's going to happen this year? It's by I guess remembering that this is 17 months down the road when when this budget is still in place. Mm -hmm. So it could be next spring. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Or next June. Yep. And how do we know how close we're coming with the new numbers there? I don't have a timeline on it. I just didn't know. I haven't heard of them. Yeah. Is there yeah, nothing new to report? Okay. So then that list station at Kettering, that's 40,000. Um, that needs to be probably updated, right? Correct. This, I think, has to stay. Stay. Um, yep. Are they still doing the harvesting on the lake? Like this is from the, the chemical around the docks. Okay. Well, then how about the harvest operations that you have budgeted for four thousand dollars in the um, parks wages page? That uh, there's four thousand dollars that are, that's included in there for for not knowing exactly what the uh, what the harvester situation might be for the. And last year, what did we pay? Zero. Now. Um, so even as we look at hiring harvester operators, you know, I'm not sure that we're going to go hire a, a slew of operators. You know, I talked to Bill Farley and, and told him we may not look at hiring folks, but Bill, are you still interested in working for us? Yes, you know, and, and that we'd be able to come up with some operators when need be. I'd, I'd hate to say that we'd never operate it, because if, if it's needed, we would, we would operate it, I'm sure. Aren't they going to drag out or the worst problem yeah. with the uh, East Basin? Yeah, that's right. Yep, that's, uh, the, that's the goal. So also in this here, Scott, this, and I'm just looking at the fire department. You got rescue. We have rescue equipment in here. Mm -hmm. But that comes doesn't that come out of our fire department budget? I think that well, it comes out of the, that's it, that's incorporated into your general budget, budget. of the city. Right. Okay. It's, it's not any special money. The other thing. Have we got a price on trading in the mower? Or is that just a rough idea? No. It, uh, we, that is, that's what it was about last year. So it was based off the last year. So it's going to be higher. Somewhere you said that sounded like you got seventy thousand here. Mm -hmm. We'll know what the cost of that's going to be when we get closer to see how much we can really do to spend the seventy. Is that what your plan is? Yes. The costs are cost estimate from Black 
from laptop service to the company that would be it. And then it's just figuring square uh, square footage square cost footage of, cost. of these streets. Yes. Okay, so is there is that a so you got seventy eight thousand down here for asphalt streets six and seven. Yeah. So basically you think of sixth and seventh from high to ash. To ash or to Jackson? Well, this is by your house, right? It's past, it's past my, the north side. To Jackson, you're right. It only goes to Jackson. Because Ash was already done, wasn't it? Um, we redid Ash, but God, it's been 15 years ago. When? when that been so done? this is Scott's room. There you go. Well, I don't know the street names like everybody else. That's my house. Yeah. Tell me where somebody lives. So, yes, here's what what I'm hearing. I'll, I'll give you a, a budget next time that that shows updated uh, numbers for for all of these electric projects. Okay, removes the uh, basket truck set aside. Uh, removes epoxy floor in the shelf house. Wastewater treatment just trains over to Beacon. Add add the sixteen thousand to the to the Beacon. Would you? Uh, what about a street sweeper? I think tomorrow. Still, I guess I proposed that it would still be there. We'd transfer that. Is this that something we're kind of tentatively looking into? That's got some money in the savings account now, right? It does. Yeah. And if we, if Dean found one that was suitable that you and Tina went and looked at that you guys thought would be a good one, then we could do it. Right? We pulled the trigger on that. Okay, that's all money. Because again. I mean, it's going to cost us money up front, but in the long run, it's going to save us money. So you don't have, I mean, in the fall of the year, you don't have two guys sitting there. I mean, it's going to save us in labor on that end of it. Not the cost of the streets, by no means, but. Well, plus the maintenance we put in the Well, agreed. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, showing this uh, wastewater treatment plant demolition. Fund set aside. It's at twenty thousand right now, but half of that ten thousand is from sales tax. Would you still like the ten thousand dollars from sales tax to go? Oh, to go into the.
like we had talked about this Thursday, Sac County League. Shaler hosts, but it's it's going to be hosted out at the dock. Um, Sac County League social times at 6:30. For those who can attend, it would be very good to attend because they're going to talk about this housing. I'll be there. Uh, this housing. Thing. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I will not. Everybody that's important will be there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, one last little thing. Do, do we think we need to have what we're fingering up for the streets and for these new developments? Do we, and what we're going to participate in? Or what's your thought? Do we need to have a plan ready for that? Because I'm sure they're going to ask us. They need to know. They've got to have some hard numbers, I, I would think. And I guess I'm not sure we're, we've got that hard number. We've got an idea how we're going to get there. But. It, seems, it seems like that hard number is more driven by the property tax generation side of things than by the cost that we would look at basically participating up to such a so many years worth of property tax. Based on the street spec and right. other limitations that we're going to put into it, when I say that, sure. you know, the so that should be our first round of negotiations with that to find out what that, what their thoughts on that is. Yeah, I would say that's a starting point with them, and it might move it forward further, or it might go backwards further. Make sense? Yeah, as long as we have a calculated idea of what we want to do with them. But give reason why we come up with this plan. Right. You know, that's... And tell them we're still working with other... We're working with the county to participate in a program. You know, this is where we're at today. Does this seem feasible to you? And I think like we talked in the committee, I think it was a committee meeting, you know, we're all in. We want to see it happen, but this is all we can do. Can't We can't throw good money after bad, you know, so but we want to make it happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the, are we talking 20-year deal, or what, what's our I number? think, isn't that what we talked about, 20 years? Yeah, because uh, you can always pay that off early. I mean, is it 15 if they agree with a TIF? It would potentially be 15 on, on a TIF, but we had talked about, um, you know, just looking at the, the city property tax payback, and it, we had options on 2018 and 15. Yeah. Just the 20 would be the okay. furthest out that we would go. Just one of the reminders that that was it. Alright. Okay. Uh, just that then Lakeview also hosts Northwest Iowa League. And that's the seventeenth. And again that's out at uh, out at the docket. That's gonna be closed then, isn't it? They're yeah, they're opening special for us. Okay. We said we were getting a big enough group to come that they would open special for us. So um Motion to adjourn? No, 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 no. I have a couple things I want to bring up during the administrator's report. During our bargaining, negotiations, whatnot have you, I felt pretty, uh, how do I say this the right way, lack of informed. When we go to start bargaining, we don't have the proper information provided to us. <coughs> Specifically, when we got to the health insurance, and I want to make it noted that Scott didn't provide that to us. Everybody was here. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. 
So, so I mean, you you certainly knew that the rates went up three point eight percent. But it wasn't I did. provided. You to, didn't present it to the union. To the union. And then they, that end, you heard him. Oh sure. That ended our negotiations whatsoever. That made us look like idiots. Yeah, he pretty much. He shut it down. We're all quick once I brought And you know, Scott, that's. We as a council rely on you to give us the information, and you didn't give that to us. And you can say what you want to say about when I'm asking you, are you negotiating for you, for the city, or are you negotiating for them, the workers, because you're in that ballgame. And that's, that's, any way you look at it, that's the way it is. And you didn't provide that information to us. And I want to make it on record and document that you didn't give that to us. I'm just making that point. The other thing, too, we might have uh, made a mistake in the one thing got overlooked, but we can't do nothing about it now, so that's not a big deal. In one of the languages that we agreed to, that we talked about not agreeing to, but we did agree to. And I look back at it, God damn, we missed that part. But I want to make a note about that, not having that information. Because I didn't appreciate it. Because that guy looked straight at me. Oh, did you, Joe? So, second? Second. In the